Hey everybody, welcome back to The Producers. This is uh, episode 6. It's my friend Matthew uh, from Improv. Uh, he was great. He was uh, super fun. This was our longest episode yet, so strap in everybody. Uh, as far as plugs, he doesn't really have any social media, so I really don't have anything I can plug. Um, I can plug The Coalition, though, at uh, RVA Comedy on Twitter and Instagram. They're pretty active on Instagram, I know that. Um, also on Facebook, I'm, I think it's the Coalition Theater, I'm not 100% sure. Um, and rvacomedy.com. And my own plug, my own show, uh, we are doing our class showcase Tuesday, September 5th at 8 o'clock. So if you are in the area, come on out and watch us make, make a fool of ourselves and have a great time doing it. Uh, I think all the, the, the improv showcase shows are Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, I'm also plugging, yeah, both of them are at 8 o'clock, so go ch- go watch some people who are new and trying to figure out if they want to do it. It's a lot of fun. I'm hoping that there's a lot of people, and I know uh, some of my people are coming out, and it's going to be a fun time. Um, other plugs, uh, I mentioned last week, uh, you know, we have our own website now, producerscast.com, uh, and we have an email. You can email the show, producerscast at gmail.com. I would love to hear just that you're listening, uh, if we do have any listeners. You know, because I'm at the early stages where you don't know if anyone's listening and still trying to just do my podcast, the one that I would want to listen to and having a great time doing it. These episodes are, these are just so much fun. I'm still kind of working out the kinks audio wise and kind of just rolling with it. Um, but yeah, so I got an email last week or I think I mentioned last week from Ethan uh, and I wanted to, I realized I didn't plug his podcast. He has his own podcast, uh, The Devil's on Your Shoulder. Uh, it's a kind of a advice question answering questions and his episodes are a lot shorter than mine uh nothing more than 40 minutes uh i listened to a couple episodes and i thought it was great um you know i just you know love listening to things and love supporting people who are just trying to get out there and do their own thing and obviously there are many podcasts that cannot be listened to but if you have the time and want to check out a friend of the show uh Maybe send in a question. The devil's on your shoulder. Devil's on your shoulder at gmail.com. I send in my own question, so hopefully they'll bring that up. Uh, and lastly, I want to give a big shout-out and thank you to uh, Tom and Jake. Tom is uh, basically my editor, and I feel like that title doesn't give him enough credit. Um, he's a good good friend, and he does all the editing for the show, which isn't much, but he still takes the time out of his day to do something. And I just want to say I really appreciate it. So go on Twitter at Skinoy1217. It's in the description. Uh, give him some love because uh, without him, the show wouldn't just wouldn't have the pizzazz that it does. He does all the music too. He does the mashups for the music. We talked about that in episode one a bit. Um, so the music that you hear is all him mixing it up, and it's he's really talented and just a great friend. And also shout out to Jake Bathman at Jake Bathman on. Literally everything. I'm pretty sure he has the monopoly on that. Um, he is my producer, and I'm very grateful that he is a part of the show. He does all the uploading. He does. He, he handles all the behind the scenes that Tom doesn't handle. They they both handle pretty much everything. I just record and send it to him, and they're both delights. Uh, but Jake has been very instrumental on uh, kind of helping me work around the. I guess the pressures of doing a podcast. Um, but I'm very, very grateful for both of them. Um, so show them some love. Um, I'm showing them love by doing this and I definitely try to show them love when, uh, you know, in the, in the DMS, if you know what I mean. 
Hey. Um, but yeah, that was a, a very long intro of my way of saying thank you to everyone who has done the show and has helped with the show. Also, <laughs> shout out to Tori, uh, my fucking life coach or whatever. He's been he's been great, and uh, so shout out to him. He gets a shout out in every fucking episode, so might as well give him one up top. Fucking <laughs> anyway, here's the episode. Enjoy, everybody. This fear of being loved, allegiance to the pain. Now I'm messed up, and I'm missing you. I'll never be like you. I would give anything to change this fake minded heart that lost fake shiny things. Now I'm messed up, and I'm missing you. I'll never be like you. Well, that was the first thing that kind of sparked what I wanted to, what maybe what maybe consider you like someone who I would want to bring in because mm-hmm. you have. Well, first of all, I didn't know you did stand up. That came up, mm-hmm. and so that was like, okay, this is a creative person. This was like before I even asked Quentin to do it, mm-hmm. and I was just I had only done uh, episode one and two as I did my friend Tom, and then my friend my friend Tom interviewed me, mm-hmm. and so it was like that's someone that's the kind of person I want to interview. Yeah, but I was also at this at the stage where I was like I. Don't have any real legitimacy as a host <laughs> yeah. of a podcast, so it's yeah. like. And then I did, I didn't feel comfortable asking people, and it was only when Quentin kind of said he would do it mm-hmm. when I got a, when I brought it up casually after at Saison. Yeah, and there was only a couple people left, and so like had him on, had Will on. Yeah, and now Molly, it's something that I yeah. think that I'm good at and I enjoy, and like I'm asking everybody cool. to do it. Yeah, and so yeah, it's the so, only way that you. I mean, getting better at anything, but also I mean, if you want to do something, just do it. Yeah, that's, and, that, and that's the thing, which has been this big thing for me, which we'll, we will super duper get into. Um, mm-hmm. Like, with, with, with creativity, like, I, had, I hadn't been doing anything creative. I'd been really focusing on finding a relationship to be in. Mm-hmm. And that's really not how you're supposed to live your life. Yeah, I listened to the Will up. episode. Okay, so, so I got a gist of uh, perfect. that whole... That, that, that's the perfect episode. That whole aspect of your, I'm sure. your recent mindset. Yeah, and yeah. so... Um, I kind of forgot the thing. Oh, so you kind of talking about just doing it. Actually, mm-hmm. like yesterday, I like I wrote my first song ever. Oh, cool! Like I, I had wow. lyrics and I found I put music to it and then I actually, which is really weird, I recorded it and I sent it to a couple of select friends. Yeah. And they said they liked it and I was like, nice. I'm, I'm trying to like keep it. I don't want to say humble because that's the wrong word, but just like low key. Low key. Yeah. Just like I didn't even want to mention it, but it, it's so perfect to kind of transition to what you were saying. Just like. Doing just doing it. I, yeah. I, I I I water for like an hour. Like I don't want to. Rec- I don't want to record it. Mm-hmm. And then I just like if I don't record it, then I might forget how it goes, and mm-hmm. then they'll never hear it. And so I just record it. I didn't listen to it. I sent it off and got positive reviews. Well, you're always like more critical, and I feel like people are very endeared towards seeing people 
especially in like an invulnerable way and like say an artistic endeavor as well as just like when somebody sees another person especially somebody they're friends with do something that's a bit bold to do it it gives them a lot of respect for them whether they do it well or not so you're always like more critical like people are gonna fucking hate this but then you end up doing it and then you're like wow i don't know if i mentioned the last episode but like the idea that we've as pe- i've been listening to music for like t- over mm-hmm. 10 years are we on yeah, we, oh, okay, yeah. cool. Getting, okay, cool. We might cut nice. off a few seconds just so it contextually makes sense, but... Yeah. Well, I know you got the intro thing. Yeah, I yeah. do intro. My friend Tom does the music, and cool. then I like to just just roll with it. Nice. I, if you ever listen to the Pete Holmes You Made It Weird podcast, it's just a straight ripoff. Yeah, I want to I wanna listen to it now because you like reference it so much uh, in, I, I, in the I, Will it, episode. It sounds cliche, but it literally has changed my life. I mean, hey... Yeah, it's, that's awesome. Yeah. There's there have been things that it's the same same way for me. It's like you feel kind of weird saying it changed your life because it's like hokey. Yeah, but no man, it's anything a, can change your life. It's a it's a silly podcast that he's extremely vulnerable on, and I just mm-hmm. it's, it, it's like he's talking about me. Like mm-hmm. I'll be I'll be going through a thing, and then they'll bring it up. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> this this is so weird. Yeah, because this is exactly what I needed to talk about, mm-hmm. what I needed to think about. He doesn't really go over. He goes over creativity a lot. He talks to a lot of people about comedy, but he never really covers like like writing a joke. Mm-hmm. Like I I think I would love to be on the stage. I yeah. just don't have good material. I don't have I, I I struggle with writing good material and like the the main spot I see is observational versus uh telling like a life story. Yeah. And it's like, "Oh, I have I have some good life stories, but I don't have any punchlines." Yeah. And so it's just like that, honestly that, sometimes Sometimes I, like sometimes I don't think like a punchline is necessary. We're like, I think a lot of times it's just the way that you tell it and the inflection of things and like the words that you choose. Like, I think um, I'm trying to think of a good example. I think you like, can look at real, and I, I think this this relates with the stretch. You look at any clean comic; they have to without swearing is a big deal, but like. The way, like, Mike Birbiglia or Brian Regan, like, enunciate when they talk. Yeah. Part of that's the funny part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, exactly, that, yeah. That's kind of what you're getting to. Yeah. Well, and it's, like, um, if you look at, like, Mitch Hedberg, I don't know yeah. if you are familiar. Um, Not too much. I remember, and I hate to admit this in public, but before I really got, before I took the, the, the real dive into comedy, I didn't like Mitch Hedberg. Yeah. Oh, no, I understand. I remember when I first checked him out in high school, because people said it exactly. sounded exactly. like him, that I was just kind of like, I don't know. But listening to him now, it's, like... Um, cause I've been, I've been just kind of like going through stand-up comedians and kind of analyzing what, what they do well. It's hard not to. Yeah. And, uh, for him, it's just like, he does these like corny little one-liner jokes, but he's, he has such a charming demeanor about doing it. It's yeah. that I feel like people are endeared towards him because it's just like, this is like, it, you're, it, it's, it's like you have a friend in front of you telling you like these stupid little jokes. Cause he's just like, has that kind of demeanor with people. And I feel like a lot of it, like. Your, uh, your, I think it was uh, Rosa Parks joke from the Will podcast. <laughs> like, I honestly thought that was funny. Um, but it's like one of those things, it's like you have to go through, I think, conceptualizing the delivery and really like doing it in a, like, not so much in a mirror, but um, recording yourself, like, with this program. Because that's what I do. I, I've just, um, I have, I've, pff, I probably have like 30 different recordings on my phone of, uh, me just going through, uh, like, one stand-up set. And then I'll have another 20 recordings of me going through another one that I'm working on. It's like I haven't pulled those out yet and done the sets, but I I totally am 
am more honed in on what it is that's funny about it. Because mm-hmm. the more you're created, I think, about your material, the easier it is to pick it apart and really, like, kind of push the pieces back into a more, like, yeah. acceptable manner. I, I don't know if it was in the Will of the Quentin one that I said, uh, the fr- at first the bit was I hadn't wanted to convince them to get the two for 20, but then it, mm-hmm. after saying it to people, I switched it to they want to get it and I don't. Mm-hmm. Because it was funnier to let Rosa Parks down and say, no, you can't get the Oriental Chicken Salad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, and I think that... Uh, as I've read, I, I found I, f- I found what I want to say, the way I want to say it, the inflection that's important to, yeah. to, to like take a second and tailor your work. But like, after going through it sometimes, I'm honing in on a better way to say it. And yeah. like, even sitting down just by myself and like like you were saying, like moving pieces around. Like I wrote I, on one of these pages, I wrote it out, and it's like this long, and I'm like, mm-hmm. there there needs to be work on the the punchline. The setup is kind of whatever, and it can kind of go however. I think the mm-hmm. quicker you get through the setup, the better because it's a long. Mm-hmm. Con- it's not that not not funny and. The joke isn't good enough to have a long, long setup. So a shorter setup, and then, yeah, just working on it like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think the way that you were wording it in the Will one was like, uh, yeah, you know, everybody, you know, everybody always asks you this question, you know, what, because uh, I think that's how you put it. The, the, I start out with hypotheticals are fun. People love to put hypotheticals to you. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's something I've worked on since. Sometimes, like, an easier way to jump into it is just to be like, which I, I'm not no expert, I'm not an expert or anything on it, but almost just be like, the other day... My buddy was talking about if he had one chance to have dinner with anybody, it would be this, and and, and then just be like, and I thought about it. Ooh, Sometimes there's just that, that, different ways of leading into and that's it. Quicker, that's what yeah. I'm saying. You need a shorter one. Yeah, and I, honestly, sorry to cut you off, but like, um, like with my sketch that I did with Patrick, mm-hmm. our improv teacher, Patrick um, Pascal at RV. Yeah, RV. he um, he had some feedback for what was essentially the punchline of the sketch, and uh, I think it made it better. And it was just the littlest little thing. Cause like, the whole punchline was just uh, at one point. You can you can describe it if you'd like to. Okay, sure. Um, it it starts out uh, like we just sat down, and I uh, I'm I'm a southern dad, and he's my he's my son, and it just starts off, and I just start off like, uh, yeah, I guess your uncle was right. Shouldn't trust anybody who's never stayed in a hotel room before. That's just weird. <laughs> and uh, so it starts off just kind of like just as it's in a natural conversation and then uh, there's a pause and he's like dad why'd you leave mom and i'm just like you know that's a good question but i don't, I don't have a good answer for that and then i go on this whole rant um where i'm talking about how like you know you're you're in traffic and then you get off on the interstate because you're like hey it can't be any worse than this and then you go off in some like random suburban road and there's still traffic and you turn on the radio because it can't get any worse than this and that's like the shittiest song you've ever heard but then all of a sudden, it makes you smile, and you just let go, and you enjoy the ride. And it's this whole, like, long-winded rant. Um, and it's, you're kind of sitting there with this tension, like, okay, where is this going? And then Patrick's like, so, Mom was dead or alive by John Bon Jovi? And then the whole punchline is just me being like, son, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm really high right now. <laughs> and, like, it got a big laugh. And, like, with that whole thing, it's like... Sometimes it's like uh, I remember. I remember. I like t- building tension. I remember someone like, telling me about that. Like you were um, throughout the rant, you were peppering in lyrics from the Bon Jovi song. Is that true? No, no. Quentin was there though. Maybe he he thought that's what was that's happening. Probably because I don't but, think Quentin knows Bon Jovi very well. Yeah, no. It's just um, it was actually something that happened. Like I was just driving in traffic one day. Um, I had to. I was living out at my parents' place in Amelia uh, in the fall and had to commute and just uh, like hit shitty traffic one day. Got off the interstate. 
got onto, you know, random road with more traffic. And so I turned on the radio, and it was just like a shitty, like, classic rock song. And I was just like, normally I'd turn this right off, but it was making me smile, and I sang along to it. And I was like, you know what, fuck it. You know, I, I don't want to be in traffic right now, but I could die in two seconds for all I know. I might as well just enjoy it. Yeah. And I was kind of like, oh, that's kind of like some bulk of life, huh? And then, you know, so. It's funny how inspiration will hit you anywhere. Yeah, I know, it really will. Um, yeah, and... Uh, that was that, that. was kind of a big thing with, like, every joke that I have, which I, I carry this notebook in my backpack, I carry my backpack everywhere, mm-hmm. and, like, with the song that I wrote, it was just, like, I was just out one day, thought of a line, <clears throat> put it in my phone, thought of another line. I had two lines for about a month, mm-hmm. and then one day I was like, look, because I think that there's, um, <clears throat> I don't know, I don't, I've, I've talked about this, but, like, there's, like, two ways to really create. There's, like, sitting down and saying, I'm going to create. And mm-hmm. then there's living life and then maybe trying it out and, like, throwing it out there. And, and uh, it's called, write, like, writing from stage. Like, going mm-hmm. up on stage and just riffing a, a bit or something. Yeah. Like and so, like, I did a lot of that with just, like, moving around. And then I sat down and I expanded on it. And I think that I'd had enough kind of, like, stuff written down on my phone or, like, thoughts. Like, I had kind of been marinating it. And then I was able to actually take the two things and, like, it was just enough to make something good. Yeah. And so that's kind of um, what you just spoke to, I think. I think it's mm. kind of relevant. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because uh, uh, with the Will episode, um, you know, he was going into how... Uh, I think he was sort of saying that he, he isn't of the, the school of thought that you should wait for inspiration to hit you, and that's when you should create, and that's solely when you should create. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's doing that thing where he's, like, writing every day. Yeah. So that, that, that's interesting to me, but I'm just, I'm not that way. I've, I've tried to be that way and I have spurts of that, but, um, like right now I've just like, I've, I've been, uh, I just, uh, have started getting involved with this young lady and like, that's been distracting me. And so it's like, you know, you go through periods where it's mm-hmm. like, at least with me, where it's like you, you do a lot of work and then other periods where you don't. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, uh, it's just interesting how, how people work. That's why I, I thought the concept of this whole podcast was really interesting, just because, Thanks, um, you know... You never know how someone else does their shit. Yeah, exactly. And just because somebody's not, like, a huge star <laughs> or even successful in a local scene doesn't mean that they're not um, an interesting brain to pick apart, you know? That's kind of the thing, is I just wanted to, like, grow and learn. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things I don't know, and I'm just, I'm just now really getting into doing all this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. I've wanted to write, like, a full song, and I've dabbled, and I'm done stuff and I've always wanted to do stand up and like I do I'm not like I'm not technically doing anything but like I'm working towards something and even if I yeah. never ever get on stage with anything like I'm still really enjoying these times yeah, yeah. definitely and honestly I think that uh, sometimes just pushing towards something is like cathartic oh yeah it's like cause I, for me throughout my life it's been uh, you know it's been easy for me to be down on myself and that can almost make it so I don't even do anything you know I don't mm-hmm. I, you know I used to when I was you know, I've had some periods of depression throughout my life, and, like, uh, you know, when I was in early, early high school, I sometimes would just, like, sit there and just stare at a wall and think about how sorry my situation was or this or that, and I would just think. And it wasn't, it wasn't really, like, healthy thought patterns. But Like self-defeating if, thoughts? Yeah, yeah, just stuff, uh, just any old thing. I mean, a lot of it revolved around just, like, um, people's opinions of me and um that's so interesting yeah that's something but, that I've, i don't know I, I think i probably mentioned it that's something i've been really really struggling with is like yeah the anxiety of that and it's like the i, I guess because pete talks a lot about transcendental meditation mm-hmm. meditation is something i've always wanted to do but never really gotten into but like i can respect it but one thing that that has is it has like a mantra 
And so I've, I've kind of adopted these small mantras just to apply to my life, not necessarily meditation. And one of them is other people's opinions of me are none of my business. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like whenever I catch myself doing that, thinking that, like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm seeing someone new and, like, it's really, it's, I'm oh, usually of the person where I like to talk, I like to know everything that they're thinking, mm-hmm. I like to know what they think of me, and I don't like there to be any mystery, mm-hmm. and so it's just like, now it's like, I'm not doing any of that. Yeah. And it's like a huge, it's like, for me, it's like a huge growth thing, but also it's like, it's kind of, I think it's kind of the way you're supposed to be, it's like, just live your life, be yourself, and they wouldn't, yeah. be, they wouldn't be with you if they didn't like you. Yeah, exactly, people aren't going to waste their time, and, um... I don't know if that hijacked your point. Or no, no, no. I thought that I thought that was interesting because I was thinking about it. Like, I feel like uh, like I've tried meditation before, and um, I uh, sorry, I fiddle with shit when I talk. Fiddle, but um, <laughs> that's, your that's your water, by the way. Oh, cool. I was about to say you got something to drink. Nice. Um, no, I, I just I keep my water in front of you so that uh... <laughs> yeah, thirsty motherfucker, <laughs> you piece of shit. Um, well, uh, I was just thinking when you were saying that that just uh, for me, like meditation, I feel like you can meditate with almost anything. Like Do you when meditate? I used to play. I used to last summer. I had a lot of problems with anxiety after my buddy died, and um, we will get into that. Don't worry. Yeah, um, and I started doing meditation, and it, it definitely uh, helped. But it wasn't. It's not something that I, I enjoy doing, and it's something that you. It's like a skill. You like. You get better at it the more you do. And um, to me, it's like I prefer challenging my thoughts as I'm having them and that I've gotten better results than just sitting there and like I feel like when you're doing a mantra that's supposed to convince you of something it's like when you have a class where it's just terminology based and you're trying to remember and like drill this term into your head whereas challenging what was that sorry no go go mine was stupid go oh well whereas challenging yourself challenging challenging not not, not just saying like I'm wrong for wanting that it's I think I think so I understand what you're saying, and I kind of want to repaint what I was saying. Mm-hmm. It's like if I'm having these really anxious thoughts where it's like I need to, maybe I just need to get myself to a calm zero so that I can challenge them. Because mm-hmm. I'm 100% of the belief that you should challenge everything until you know it's for sure. It's for right. It's for sure. Mm-hmm. Devil's Advocate is my favorite thing to play, and people hate it, but it's like you can't, if you can't defend the other side, you're arrogant. Like you're not, if you can't, if you don't know what you're against, whatever, stuff like that. You get, you get what I'm saying. I don't need to yeah. like finish any yeah. of those thoughts. But like, for me, the mantra is more like, I'm feeling anxious because I got a haircut and I don't like the way it was cut, and I think everybody notices. So my first thought is, no one cares. No one really, no one notices that small thing, which mm-hmm. is not really a mantra, but it's like a thing I truly believe. No one notices the small details that you do. So once I can find that point, then I can say, well, I didn't get the best haircut. It's not a big deal. It'll grow out really fast. I'll go to somebody else. Boom. Yeah. I mean, exactly. that's not really a thing that you can challenge, but that's kind of, I think, the, th- the thought process that I have where it's like, these, these anxieties, you, you need to, I think, for me, and I'm sure for you, but I don't want to lump you in because I did mm-hmm. and I didn't do it right. <laughs> but like, it's all good. I, need to, I need to find a zero so that I can health, in a healthy way, address the, the problem or the thought. Because if I try to address it while I'm anxious, I'm going to be anxious and it's going to spiral. Yeah. So whatever I can do to keep myself at a calm zero or at least close enough to the point where I can objectively look at it and say like, I'm okay. Let's 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 look at that. And I can't, mm-hmm. for the life of me, I can't f- fashion an example. I'm mm-hmm. trying, but I can't. That's no, all good. Yeah. Honestly, a- anxiety is interesting because I feel like a lot of it is just um, it's just compounded negative uh, mental patterns. At least for me, just like I grew up, my dad is like a very uh, he's very self-critical. He's very hard on himself. Uh, he used to have a lot of anger issues, and he still deals with that. 
and it just made for like a very stressful environment growing up. And that's something that when I came down here for college, um, I was like straining relationships and friendships with these behavioral patterns I had gotten into that I thought were normal because my dad acted that way. And, uh, you know, it, it, it caused me to strain some relationships and I had to like dial back and be like, wait, I, I need to put in the work to get back to more of a natural center of who I am. And I'm, I'm naturally like, you know, um, I feel like I'm naturally a really like emotional, sweet guy, but, um, there's, there's so many different ways to attack any, any kind of thought. Like if you're sitting there and like, like say if you're writing material and you're really hard on yourself, you won't ever have any material because you always say that's bad and cross it out. Yeah. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like what I do is I'll save it. No matter what. And you can come back to it later. And then There's later been... you can cross that and say, nah, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, but, you can but, throw but, it. But, like in the, for, for example, in the song, and I think this, I told my friend this, mm-hmm. my roommate, because I was kind of telling him that I'd written a song, I was really happy. And so, and I, I think this is really, I, this is my opinion, and I'm sure that you will, you will disagree to be polite, and I appreciate it in advance. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a line in the song that I wrote, and I, it has now changed because I thought it was dumb, and I, when I wrote it, I said, this is a dumb line. And then I said, but I will write it, and if I want to, I can come back to change it later. Totally exactly what you just said. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, and then that's the thing. I, I talked about it, I think, with Molly. It's like people police themselves because they don't, like, oh, perfect. I, I lost the thought, and then I want to get back to it, and I'm going to get back to it now. Like, we listen, I, I, I might have actually said this. We listen to music, we have high standards, but we can't produce at that standard yet. Mm-hmm. So we have to work our way up to that point. But people yeah. never work their way up because they stop themselves. Because, mm-hmm. like... Like I like I would I could have crossed that line out and I would have never finished that that yeah. bit. But I left it in, found a better thing, not only better but it's like actually better, mm-hmm. and it was it was good. So like not not gi- giving yourself green lights. That's my main mantra: green lights. Just, yeah, just that's what you're it. saying in the Will episode. <clears throat> yeah, I, I definitely will agree say with that. that. Every episode, just green. If, if you give yourself green lights, what happens? And it's like that's what happens. Mm-hmm. You just go with it. You save it, and then maybe maybe it does work, or maybe it, you come back to it later when you when you are revisiting that word document or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like it's, um, I, th- I think I realized, like, I've always had, like, I've always harbored a bit of, like, social anxiety, and it was way worse when I was younger, but I'd still have friends because I was funny, but, um... It's funny how that works out. Yeah, yeah, you, but you always have something like that, like, um, I feel like, I feel like people can oftentimes get too stuck up in, like, and I was definitely this way of, like, not being this, like, social phenom that they believe they should be in order to be social. Or, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, there's a guy earlier I was talking to at Elwood's. We were standing at the bathroom. Um, and as he left, like, it was just a stranger. And we just said a couple words back and forth. He was like, all right, have a good day, man. I want to go fist bump me. And I just, like, I didn't go to fist bump him. And he just, like, retracted real quick. And I was, like, sitting there thinking, like, man, I hope he doesn't think that's awkward. Because from my perspective, it's I don't not. give a shit, man. He's being a nice dude. He's putting the fist up, you know. And I just, you know, we didn't fist bump. But who cares? But it's, like, then on the flip side, there's people who, like, that shit will happen and, like, obsess about it over, like, the rest of the day. Which is how it used to be. I had an interaction with my boss about when I, when I was, because I recently started drinking. And I told him something about that. Mm-hmm. And he made jokes about it. And it was fine. It was funny. It was to him. It was a joke. But to me, I harped on it for days. Mm-hmm. So I can totally relate to that. I'm, I'm sure it was not a big deal. And I hope it wasn't a big deal for your <clears> sake. Because you, you, you thinking about it kind of proves your point. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's, I think it's always interesting. I feel like once you, I don't know. It's, for me, it's like you have to be able to forgive yourself for the hard, little things. hard to do. 
because the little things add up. And yeah, it's hard. But that's why challenging your thoughts, like, I mean, last year, oh my gosh, like, uh, I would have panic attacks, like, every night. And uh, I guess we can get into it now with uh, my buddy. But uh, so my buddy Sean Moore passed away um, during finals week of the spring semester 2016, last year. And um, about a month after that, um, I moved into an apartment that a friend of mine had been living in for a year, and I guess her her cat had fleas, and she didn't know, and the landlord didn't check for that before I moved in. And I didn't have any pets, so I ended up becoming, like, the food source for the fleas. And so I was dealing, like, grieving from, like, a really good friend that I'd known since sixth grade passing away, and then I was being bitten up, like, every, like, moment I was in my apartment, and uh, it was it was so shitty. I was having, like, panic attacks, like, every night because I was so on edge from, like, this... You know, all those things put together and also just, like, me being at a point in my life that I was, like, very unhappy with. I just felt like I lost out on so many, um, like, the past couple of years with, like, the depression from my back injury. And um, it was shitty in the, at, at the time uh, having to deal with all that, you know, having to, you know, deal with, like, a panic attack every night where you're sitting there and your throat's closing up, your hands are... are getting those tingles like they're falling asleep your like face is getting kind of numb in portions and you're like am I about to like stroke out and die in my one-bedroom apartment nobody's gonna like know about it like but now it's like having gone through that period I feel like I have like a, a certain sense of mental fortitude that I never would have pushed myself to uh develop if it wasn't for that and it's interesting because I feel like um I feel like at the end of the day, creativity is just, it's a coping mechanism for so many people. And um, writing stand-up was like one of the things that got me through it. And it wasn't good stand-up. It was like really like looking back on it, it was like, it was I like, I, I would, I remember I had one video like where I, I'd put the audio recorder on my iPhone and I'd be like talking in my phone. And it was like late, it was in the middle of the night. I woke up from the fleas and had this thought. I'd smoked a little bit, so I was stoned. And I, like, so it was this video where I'm just, like, talking to my, the, the uh, like, whispering to the phone, and I'm just, like, all right, uh, I've got this stand-up idea. Um, I, uh, hey, uh, everybody, uh, I, I like, I like getting, you know, I have all these anxiety problems. I like getting stoned because I don't worry about the anxiety anymore. Instead, I just get really stoned, and then I say to myself, you know, I'm not worried about my panic attacks anymore, and I'm not worried about anxiety. But I am pretty worried because I think there's, like, a trans-dimensional shape-shifting clown outside my window staring at me right now. And, like, it was, like, the most, like, psychotic shit I was thinking of. <laughs> but... I didn't know it was coming. Yeah. And that it was good. Well, that's the thing. It's, like... It's, it's like, really... It was bad material, but... Um, yeah, that was terrible. But you you start off at a point like I mean writing terrible things. And yeah, writing terrible turns things. Into, like the more you write. Like I um I pl I started playing guitar when I was uh, fourteen. Started writing my first songs when I was sixteen, and then I injured myself and couldn't play anymore when I was twenty two. And uh, like when I first started writing songs, they were terrible. But by the time like the last like year that I was playing, I was writing stuff that I was actually like really believed in and really really liked and I got a lot of uh a lot of satisfaction out of and that's why I've started doing comedy again it's just because I I missed that whole uh that whole journey 
of just knowing that you're you're growing whether you realize it or not in some way because you can really feel like you're stagnant in life at times but if you have something that you like to work on you're going to be growing whether you realize it or not and uh, I think you need that because you never know what's going to hit you you never know if you're going to go through a shitty period and if you have something that you can cling to that at least gives you some growth or some sense of growth I think it's really important that's so interesting because it's like I have been going through that and I like I've been feeling like I've been growing so much. Mm-hmm. Not even because I wrote a song, but just because like pushing. I guess maybe pushing myself to do that, or just in the process of like exploring that mental. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I feel like a completely different person than I was mm-hmm. like two months ago. Yeah, and it's so different. And mm-hmm. I know I can't really place it, but yeah, like what you just said, that like completely resonates with me, like ridiculous, ridiculously a lot. It's awesome. You you kind of. Uh, <clears throat> I kind of don't know which I want to go, but you mentioned Told this you. uh, year, years of depression and kind of missing out on some things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That resonates a lot with me. First of all, how old are you? 25. 25, okay. Mm-hmm. So I, my depression was different. My depression, I don't know, and I, I don't even know if I can call it depression because I feel like people who are like really like severely depressed, I don't think I've ever been that bad. But mm-hmm. just like. Throughout high school, like, my only goal was to, like, find a relationship to be in. And I really mm. didn't... I, I very rarely nurtured myself and all these other things. And, like, um, I went through this huge, huge anxiety with alcohol. Like, I didn't really get over that until I went to therapy mm-hmm. months ago. Like, the beginning of this year was when I kind of reached over the point of, like, oh, I'm not going to become an alcoholic. My biological yeah. father was an alcoholic, and I, I think, I guess subconsciously, I was like, that's me, I'm going to do that, and yeah. I don't ever want to do that, and it was just like, there's all these terrible things attached to it, so like, now I drink and it's fine, I mean, all alcohol is gross, except for like light beer for yeah. me now, but like, I feel like I missed out on a lot of things, being anxious, really trying to find myself in a relationship, and trying to do all these things. And I, again, I feel a strong sense of missing out. Also, like, I moved a bunch as a kid. Like, I went to four different high schools. And so, mm-hmm. like... That's rough. For me, yeah, it, looking at what I'm feeling like I missed out is rough. But mm-hmm. also, when I really, like, take a second and I try to, like, find a zero and I say, like, I had a, a lot of great times. A lot of bad times and, like, specifically, like, the moving wasn't that bad because I had my family and I was like, it's nice to it's nice to be the new kid for the first six months you live somewhere and then, yeah. like, everything else is just, like, you're, no one cares. Yeah. So it's like, but, like, I had, like, I'm really close to my family and, like, I got to see a lot of different places. Like, I lived in most time zones and so, in the U.S., so it was, like, it was nice to, like, see other places and, like, I ended up, I grew up in southern Utah and I ended up going to college in New Orleans, so it was, like... Mm-hmm. Like, I, I would never have gotten that experience. And there's so many other things that I never would have gotten into and blah, blah, blah. But, like, so I'm grateful for that. But, like, I look at the relationship thing, like, wanting to always be in a relationship and, like, never, like, being single or focusing on myself. And so, like, that to me was this was this thing that I feel like I missed out on. I missed out on being a single person and and, and having a punk band at whatever age. Like, mm-hmm. I've always wanted to be in a band. Yeah. And, like, it's never going to happen because nobody wants to be in a band. No, that's that's not true. So so I want you to speak to missing out, like like how that's affected you. I guess to try to keep it in line with the theme as an artist, but I also have cared less and less about like maintaining the theme, especially after like thirty minutes. Like we'll talk about creativity, and that's 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 what I want to talk about. But just in general, the, um, feel it out. Yeah. Well, um, 
I, I guess the best place to start was, uh, so I injured myself when I was 22, um, had to stop playing guitar, and um, so that happened in October, in between October and December of 2013, previously in that year, the first six months of that year, I was living in a house with um, three of my best friends, we had a huge friends group, and a lot of us were experimenting with like psychedelics, and we were, you know partying every weekend and it was this really just like uh palpable atmosphere of just excitement and fun the opposite of missing out yeah the opposite of missing out and uh and so but it's strange relationships and so people a lot of people got to a point of um kind of breaking away from the group and going into their own little private corners of the world and um i guess that makes sense yeah um but that's when I hurt myself, and um, I didn't really have a support system. Because um, they were all gone. Yeah, because they were, everybody was just kind of the doing Himalayas their own thing. Or surfing with the sharks. Yeah, exactly. You know, doing something. Um, and uh, so for like the next two years, I, um, I pretty much just honestly like just smoked weed all the time to help with my back pain. And what I did to socialize was basically I would like I was a cashier at Elwood. I've been a cashier at Elwood for two and a half years. And it was great when I got that job because I I was able to reintroduce myself back into socializing because like for the year prior to that, pretty much all I was doing to socialize was like playing League of Legends online with friends that I you know had gone to different colleges and my cousin who went to ODU, and that was my only real way of like connecting with people and chatting with people. Um, and I was just really, really lonely and just like, um, it's really shitty when you're in a period where it's just, you know, you're not handling it the best way, but you are so apathetic towards yourself and your own self-interest and your future. And, um, I think that was the biggest thing for me. Depression is, it isn't being sad. It isn't having mood swings. It's not um, being irritable, which is why I thought it was mm-hmm. back in high school. To me, depression is literally not caring about anything. And not in a sense of like, oh, I'm going to kill myself, but depression in the sense of just like, I know my life is going nowhere. I know that I need to change something, but I'm not doing it because I, I am not my best friend right now. And I don't care about anything. And that to me is depression. And, um, so I missed out on a lot, but... Um, and how long were you in the, that funk, if we'll call it a funk? Um, at, least, uh, at least two years. And then um, spring 2015, I really started to try to get my way out of it. And um, that, kind of, that kind of journey in itself is just a slog. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, it's like coming out of quicksand. Um, it's just a very slow process, and then all of a sudden, like... You're out of it. And then you, you kind of have a momentum coming out of it. And that's how my life has been the past, like, few few months in the last kind of, uh, like, this year, 2017. But, um, yeah, my friend dying was, like, a huge catalyst. That was probably um, uh, almost a year and a half after I really started trying to be like, all right, I need to change things. And then when he died, um, I had, like, uncontrollable anxiety, and I had to... Uh, deal with more of a challenge than I was willing to. Um, you were already challenged that I wanted by something. To. What was that? You were already challenged by something. Yeah, and then and that kind of added happened. to it. But um, I, I'm I'm of the firm of the firm belief that um, 
like things happen for a reason. I, I'm not religious, and I, I I'm spiritual in a sense, but uh, I think things happen for a reason. And as shitty as that time was last year, I I would tell myself like my biggest fear was that it was going to last forever, and I was going to have this. Like I, I, for all I know, I'm in like my mid twenties. I'm developing an anxiety disorder. I'll never be able to get away from. I'll have to be on antidepressants. I'll lose my personality. Like those were my biggest fears back then. But um, I just tried to have hope that this was this was just a period that I was going to grow from, and this is a period that I'm going to move past. And it it really it didn't click for me until he he passed away in May. And then come August, um, I had a talk with my aunt, who's like my second mother, when we were at like a family vacation. And um, she's just like such a delight. She's such an amazing, uh, such an amazing woman. She's so engaging. She's so nice. And she's one of those women that just like, you can't imagine her having a bad moment or really being down uh, or uh, having the emotional issues that plenty of people have to deal with in life. But she sat me down and told me about uh, when she was in her late 20s and her best friend Anne died of breast cancer and left like three kids and a husband. And she had uncontrollable anxiety for like a year, lost a bunch of weight. She had uh, my two cousins, like my cousin Christopher was two, Danielle was like four, four years old. And so she was just obsessed with this thought that something's going to happen to her. She's going to die and she's going to leave her two kids without a mother. And she couldn't get over it for like a year. And uh, she said she tried a million different things, went to this doctor, that doctor, went on this diet, did this exercise, did this meditation. And eventually she just, it just gradually went away. But it helped her realize as a person that she can't, she can't sweat the small things. Because there's just, yeah, you could die. We, I could leave here and be shot and die that's extremely improbable but it could happen it's yeah, just it's not that bad of a neighborhood matt yeah i love museum district by the way it's this not... is matthew from improv like, we didn't even do an intro <laughs> we'll do an intro but like oh just... no it's all good um but let's put the small things because yeah you could you could go but if you work hard and while you're here you make you do everything you can to make a lasting impression yeah the kids will be without a mother but they'll have had however long they've had yeah well like um Okay, so last last night I, I just moved this weekend. Last night I in the was rain going, I heard. Yeah, in the rain this weekend. <laughs> yeah, that's just a bit, dude. No, I, I moved this weekend in the rain, and boy was it wet. Um, we uh, well, last night I was trying to uh, get my um, Ethernet cable that was like strung like all throughout the house just to get to my room. I was going to uh, get it. It's like this 100-foot Ethernet cable. It's, like, ridiculous. Duct taped to, like, the corners of the wall. I need one of those. Yeah. So um, I was going to get it, and I got to the room where the, the, the modem's in, and somebody, like my roommate, who was also moving out, I guess left some stuff, and put all these boxes that basically, like, entrapped a portion of the Ethernet cable in this corner. And I had to move all this stuff, and my back was already hurting, and I was just like, son of a bitch. And I was like... <coughs> getting like kind of pissed off like for a moment um and i was moving stuff around and then um you know i finally got it out of there it was like okay whatever and i pushed everything back in the corner and then i'm out in the living room and i'm rolling it up like you would a hose and um i almost like trip because the the end of the ethernet cable got stuck in between my laces mm-hmm. and 
normally, like years ago, I would have reacted like my dad and been like, son of a and like kicked small, and like made yep. it worse for me. Yep. But I just laughed and was oh just like, God. you know, like, Matthew, this is like, my language. yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I did, that, I did that today. I was yeah. getting laundry. I was getting my laundry money together, and I only I didn't have enough quarters, so I had to get my dimes and nickels, and I had to go to one of the three markets here to get change, mm-hmm. and I dropped them. And my first thought was I could get mad, but then I said, well, at least most of them fell on the carpet. They're easy to pick up, and the dish didn't break, so I'm pretty okay about that because I like that dish. It's a nice dish. There and you I go. Just, and I laughed. I was like, they had the exact same thought, and it's just like. Other times, I would have lost my mind, and I would have, like, thrown the dish, and then broke the dish, and broke whatever the dish hit, and mm-hmm. then I would have, it would have just been bad. Yeah. So, like, that that resonates, like, very strongly with yeah. me. Yeah. And this, this idea that anxiety can just, like, take over your whole life. Like, yeah. I had, um, I think my anxiety, I don't know, because <clears throat> I graduated from college last year, and then I moved here, and so I spent my first, I moved here in September, I moved here, and then I worked... I was getting a job, I was getting settled, I was playing video games with my friends who live in all different states, mm-hmm. and then I met my ex who I, I talked about with Will. Yeah. I, I definitely don't want to remember my name, but I feel like saying like my ex is just so mean. We're, we're still friends. We're still friends. Um, and so that was good, and then uh, she has her own things, and I have my own things, and they just mm-hmm. were like not good together. It was just a bad, bad mixture. Yeah. And so... Kind of letting, letting, be, being in that relationship and going through all these bad things, and then not even going through bad things, just trying to like work through the bad things, and then that kind of like makes it even worse. So mm-hmm. when we got out of it, I was having by the time by the time we were getting out of the relationship, I was having anxiety every day. I was having self defeating thoughts every about everything yeah something small it didn't have to it didn't have to be a real thing i would just create these negative things that maybe involved her mm-hmm. and then like it was just it was just really bad and i and again through through sheer force of will and having certain people to kind of help you get through them like i was able to get through them and it was mm-hmm. kind of it was like it was like i i I don't know. I guess I was just tired of being anxious, and I was like, okay, I re- I found I found one a small window, and I like crawled out the window, and then you work towards making yourself better, which yeah. is kind of what you did. Yeah, definitely. And you know, sometimes you have to you crawl out the window and you slip back in, and then you have to crawl out another window. You know, like or you think you, you, as you crawl out the window, you think you're crawling into a different window, but then you go back into the yeah, you're back house. in the room you like, just fuck. thought you could. Yeah, it's like a bad dream, <laughs> and that definitely happens. But uh, Honestly, I think it's, uh, for me, I used to think that I was just, like, I remember talking to, like, this high school mentor of mine, um, great teacher, uh, this guy, Joaquin O'Hollins. Uh, he, Good plug. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he's uh, he's this uh, the principal of Squalicum High School in uh, the Seattle area. He's a great guy. I call him, like, every now and then. That's awesome. Not as often as I should. I have um, people I need to start calling. Yeah, I feel you on that. But um, he... Uh, he, um, God, I lost my train of thought. You call him, he was helpful for you, right? Um. I also lost your train of thought. You're talking about the guy, oh, I shouldn't have interrupted with the good plug thing. He was, he was in Seattle, and he was a good source of something for you? Um. We were talking about anxiety, crawling out of the window, then getting back in the window, and kind of working through it. I had a support system. Shout out to Tori. He gets to mention every episode. Yeah. Guess you can edit that that out. No, I've got uh, well, that's no, one of the things that um, 
that I've like had to learn to accept. I think some people get hung up on. Uh, I was talking to um, this girl I've been getting involved with about like how she forgets things all the time. But I, I mean, um, I was diagnosed when I was 19 with attention deficit disorder, um, <coughs> inattentive type, and um, so that just happens. But you know, it happened to me earlier. I, yeah, I got, yeah I finally, that's natural. Yeah. Oh, what I was gonna say. Uh, was, um, I think it's, uh, so when I was younger, there was this guy, uh, who went to my high school who was just, like, the biggest, like, bro, like, emotionless, like, doofus, but people would think he was, like, goofy, and, you know, he was popular and whatnot, and I remember telling, uh, Mr. Hollins one day, I was like, man, I wish I was, like, Ori. I wish I was just, like, I was emotionless, and I didn't have, like, baggage, and he was just like, no, 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 trust me, Matt. You do not want to be like that kid. And these days, I've gotten uh, around to the idea of, like, realizing, like, I honestly think people who don't have emotions and don't have to deal with anxiety and depression, like, they are psychotic. People yeah. who have to deal with emotions They're the ones are, who are actually living. Yeah. People who don't are sociopaths. Like, people who can... They're, they're, those are the people who can, like... Pick your example carefully. <laughs> those are the people who can, like... I don't know, like, stab an old woman and just be like, <laughs> I would have gone yep, with Yep, that's it. Like, I would have gone with a baby somehow. I would have yeah. been like running over a baby. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I get what you're saying. Yeah, but it's. Uh, the, to, to bring it to like something we can go into, yep. they're the kind of people who can get into a relationship and not feel anxiety because I have to break up with this person. I want to break up with this person, but the last thing I want to do is hurt them. Because yeah. I care about them, but I need to be out of them. Maybe that's just me. Maybe that's too extreme of, like, a pulling you in. But just, like, the idea of acting within a relationship and, and caring about the other person. Yeah. Yeah, I think, honestly, um, when I hear about, like, especially, like, guys, it's usually I hear. But there's also women who are, like, just, like, yes. they're, they're just, like, manipulative. They're, they're, um, they don't really, like, they're not supportive partners. They're, they don't reciprocate love. Like, this, this girl I've been uh, talking to and getting involved with. She was telling me about her ex the other day who, um, like, she was all about him and, uh, like, four months in, finally told him that uh, she loved him and he never reciprocated that. And he, she would always say that she loved him and he never, like, reciprocated that back. And it's just, like, I don't understand that. Because, mm-hmm. honestly, like, I've never been in a long-term relationship before. For me... What's your longest relationship? Uh, like six months and it was like an on and off thing and it wasn't like a definite relationship it was just like a casual just, thing. yeah just you like just... a casual kind of scoping it out kind of thing seeing how things go with a, a girl and um it, it's always been like you said in the will episode that you always feel like somebody in the relationship loves the other person more than the other i truly believe that and yeah i i that's the thing though every everything that i had prior to injuring my back which I haven't really had much of anything other than one uh, on and off fling with a girl the past, like, three years. But prior to that, every little fling relationship thing that I had, one person liked the other more than than that person, you know? And I just, um, it's interesting because this is, like, the first situation I've been in where I really feel like we both are as infatuated with one another as each other is. And I, 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 that's why... I've realized for me it's been like a really uh, enjoyable experience, and I know we're gonna hit tiffs, and it's like shit's gonna go down, mm-hmm. and you know, just like any relationship. But uh, for me, it's been like honestly like a really thrilling kind of ride so far, just because um, I just realized that that's why I like those previous little little relationships never worked out. It's just like I don't like the idea. Like I don't want to waste my time 
going back into people who are uh, uh, emotionless partners, I'm not the type of person that's just going to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go out with this person. Like, what else am I going to do? Like, they're available. She's hot. Like, screw it. Yeah, I'm going to date. You know, you just casually date. Like, I'm just not that type of person. I like, You're I like to. You're a monogamist. Yeah. I, well, I, yeah, exactly. Maybe, I, maybe not. In action, but that's your ideal. When yeah. You, when you when you think like what kind of relationship you want to be in, you're like I want to be in a long term relationship. Well, I I just feel like it's really just like it's a waste of my time to be part of something that uh, can gonna, be I'm fulfilling. Not in six months. Yeah. Well, I just I don't want to waste my time like being with somebody who's not going to reciprocate things with me. Yeah. And I I don't want to be that asshole who's not reciprocating things with another person. And it's just like um, I think that. I think that you're you're either weird from my perspective or you're just a shitty person if you do not have emotions when you're getting intimate and involved with somebody. And not in the sense of like, oh, baby, chubby, booby, you know, and like getting cutesy or being like, you know, crying in front of one another, but just caring. being on that real level. Yeah, yeah, being on a real you know? level. <clears throat> That's something I actually, I, I, can't, I can't speak to it because I just don't have the the gift of the words mm-hmm. but like that's something I'm going through with who I'm seeing like trying to find the balance of like cause I'm I'm sure that this is obvious but like I move faster in relationships because I am emotionally available I when you, when you talked about not wanting to be emotionless I've thought that thought before but then I've had that quelled and just said no you are who you are and you're beautiful for that and that's something that's yeah. very rare and people look for that aggressively mm-hmm. and so it's like okay well uh, then let's just embrace that about me and let's move on like with this whole like being in a relationship thing like it took several people telling me like I need to be single you need to validate yourself more and I mm-hmm. had like a conversation with my mom and also I did a lot of self thought like I definitely don't need to validate myself more in fact mm-hmm. I probably need like a bit of an ego check yeah. and also like if I want to be in relationships, embrace that about myself. If mm. I find if I if I if it's in within me that says I want to be single, I will be single. But like yeah. to me the best that's to me to me being single is just lonely and like I prefer to get grow and experience the world with somebody else. Like that to me that's the most fun. Because maybe it's because mm. I, I have spent a lot of time alone. Or maybe mm. it's because I spent and and the idea of, of parents like your par- your parents and your relationships having a lot to do with each other, I buy into that. And so like I always spend time with my mom. Like my mom's always been around and there and I've always been with people and so like I'm a very social person. Why wouldn't I want to be in a relationship? Like, what what be- what what benefits do I have by being alone? I get to do, I get I have free time. I can do whatever I want by myself. Yeah. But like, what is there that I want to do? I'm get I'm kind of getting off of what I wanted to get to. But I talked about just feeling like trying to find the balance between you're not reciprocating what I want, or like we're still feeling it out, and just kind of like. Taking the pressure off, because I move, I move fast, that's kind of where I was going. Taking yeah. the pressure off, finding a zero, and just saying, like, let's just experience this as it is. Mm-hmm. And let's not worry about having to find these spots. Because there are times where I would jump to this, like, you're not giving me what I want. I want to talk about it until I get what I want. Mm-hmm. And to a degree, that's that, that can be okay. If you're mm-hmm. a year in a relationship and something kind of changes, the... The ability to talk to someone and say, hey, I just want to talk because this is what I'm feeling. That's a good thing. Mm. But when you've been dating for a month and a half, saying, like, you don't do these things is kind of gross, in my opinion. And that's something yeah. that I would do. And now I'm kind of checking myself and saying, like, let's just deal with it. And, and also finding, not necessarily needing to find 
everything. Not try, trying to get to a point in the relationship where I don't need anything from it. It's all bonus. Mm-hmm. I can I can soothe myself as a single person in my house, whatever. I can I can do all those things, and then the relationship is bonus. Mm-hmm. And I feel like based on what you're telling me, that's kind of how you've kind of gone about it. Like you haven't found somebody maybe who deserves to make it past six months. Mm-hmm. Maybe. That's not deserved. I'm just, like, I'm very much, like, the kind that of person, word. like, uh, growing up, like, my idea of, like, a relationship that's, like, really healthy was always my grandparents. Like, they just have, like, a amazing story of how they met. And Ooh, just, if you, if you lo- I'd love to hear about it. Sure. Um, my, so my grandfather, uh, he went through his own period of depression. He was, like, a senior in high school, and he was a uh, prescription delivery boy, uh, bike writer sounds... in, in Chicago. Uh, in like the 1940s and um, he got hit by a car and fell into like a tree trunk and went, had to have like some of the most pioneering like facial reconstructive plastic surgery that uh, was it was like at the very uh, Beginning of infancy of that mm-hmm. kind of uh, that kind of surgery but um, like he had been dating this girl for like a year or two they were inseparable everybody thought they were going to marry one another they were both popular at school like, they would sign her yearbook, like, future Mrs. Paul Yoakum, you know. And, like, she basically, like, saw him at the hospital after this accident and, like, broke up with him. Like, not on the spot, but, like, she, like, oh, yeah. A, and so he was crushed. You're, you're reading me a movie script. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's, that's how it reads, man. That's how, that's how it uh, has always felt to me. But uh, he so went she, on. She breaks up with him. Yeah, and then she, he, he, you know, he, uh, he finishes out high school. Um, he goes, like, a semester away to this college, drops out, goes back to Chicago. Uh, it's just depressed, works a bunch of odd jobs um, for a couple years. And then one day, you know, he's like, I'm sick of fucking shoveling coal and doing this odd job and that odd job. I'm going to go out there and try to do something. And he was, like, the editor of his newspaper and always wanted to be, like, a journalist. And so he saw this ad in the newspaper for the Chicago Tribune and... Uh, <laughs> for like a journalist slash photojournalist and he went out for it and like he was getting ready that day and his mom's like where are you going he's like oh i'm answering an ad in the paper for a journalist at the chicago tribune i'm answering an ad in the paper yeah i'm answering an ad in the paper and uh (laughs) the papes don't you know ma (laughs) and uh you know as it would be she was like oh you know what are you doing you're not a journalist you don't know the south side and uh he was like well i'm never not i'm never gonna know if i don't try and so he went there he ended up getting the job that's a a big scene in the movie yeah oh yeah it's like definitely it's funny because i've always in my head how you picture things like you would a book i've always thought of this in a very like romanticized like movie-esque way someone take the pictures yeah (laughs) i'm the guy i'm the guy for you uh (laughs) your 50s accent but uh (laughs) so mean i'm sorry uh, no 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 it's all good i could i could i could uh go full out with it but oh feel free um, Mine's more like mob boss villain, like yeah, see, yeah, see. <laughs> he um. So he, he, his mom told him, "Why would you do that?" And he said, "I'll never learn if I don't." Yeah. So he went big out there. Scene, he big got, scene in the movie. Yeah. Big turning point. Big turning point in the in movie. The first, it's a big turning point in the first like forty five minutes. Yeah, yeah, That's, exactly, and this sets the tone for the rest of the movie. Uh, but he he got the job there, and he was a a, a reporter at the Chicago Tribune for uh, I don't know, maybe like six months, a year, something like that. And then all of a sudden, you know, he, uh, this new receptionist 
starts working there, and all the guys are like, you know, hey, look at this. New I've seen hot I've seen Fox. that TV show. Yeah, right. <laughs> new Fox, and uh, he he went up to her and asked her out on the desk. Hey, you see that broad over there? Oh, yeah, she's a local right there. <laughs> I, wish, he, uh, I wish I knew more fifties catcalling for this moment. Yeah, right. I wish <laughs> I, I wish honestly I've thought about that before. I wish I was like very fluent in like uh, old yeah. slang. Yeah, exactly. But uh, unfortunately, I'm not. One so, day. So Can you get a degree so, in that? Can I switch majors? <laughs> so the story continues. Yeah. Blandly. So uh, basically, it was her. Surprise. Um, <gasps> he asked her out on a date. They went on a date. But it was kind of like he embarrassed himself. Like he, at that time, had been, you know, a bit of a drinker. He's just like a young man who'd go out, drink at bars and whatnot. And uh, they go out to this dance. He gets a little drunk. Like at one point, her, her strap starts falling off her shoulder for her dress and... She goes to put it back up, and he says some quip like, oh, what do you got that's so special to hide? Whoa. So she's coming out of this like, this guy is an asshole. He's a piece of shit. I should have listened to all the other receptionists who were like, that Paul Yoakum is bad news. She uh, doesn't want to talk to him again. And so the next day, he wakes up, and he's got a watch, and it's her broken watch that he told her that he'd fix like earlier on in the night. And he fixes the watch, and he gives her a ring, oh and she answers God. the phone very like, Curtly. hello? No, you know, like, she, she's totally not about it. Like, oh, hello, Paul. Yes, you can bring it over. You can bring the watch over. <laughs> and so he brings the watch over and uh, gives her the watch. And it's just like, hey, I'm going throughout the city today with a photographer who's going to be taking some pictures of, you know, some of the big sites in Chicago. Would you like to come with? Are you doing anything today? And she's just like, sure, why not? Spends the day with him, has an amazing day. And then the end of the end he of the redeems night. Redeems himself. That's the montage. Yeah, that's the montage. That's the turning point. He redeems Although himself. In the in the, mo- in the book, they're going with someone. In the movie, they go just the two of them. So he takes pictures of her, and mm-hmm. she looks all like it's more romantic. Up. And mm-hmm. then there's like a scene where he, Although she think, almost falls, and he catches her, and then they look into each other's eyes. In in, in one of the remakes, because this because this is like a uh, it's like a '50s picture. Yeah. And like in the remake, they do, they do have the photographer go with them. Mm-hmm. Just to... yeah, because remakes suck. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's that's how they met and they fell in love. And for me, like, just they were so in love for years. And it's not like that kind of like when you're old. Like when I see my grandparents, it wasn't like I was looking at them like, oh my god, grandma and gra- like grandpa's grabbing her ass and pushing her into the bedroom and winking at me as they go in there and start making all these squishy noises. <laughs> no, it was, they were like an old sweet couple who were always around one another with were each other's best friends or affectionate would give each other kisses on the forehead and stuff like that. You know, it was like, that's that. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And so what more, what, what more are we waiting for? That's it. Yeah. And that's just my ideal. Like in my head is just like, I want to be with somebody who, I feel like it's a very recipro- reciprocated love, and it's definitely <clears throat> something that both people are finding fulfilling, whether there's bad moments or not, and that happens with like, every relationship. So. And see, the thing that I think is very difficult for me is I'll meet somebody, I'll find some things I like about them, and then we'll date. And it's just like, on one hand, I try to be that person for them mm-hmm. and encourage them to be that person for me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like... That's a really, that's just a weird, that's a weird thought to flesh out. That like, that would require a lot of more like talking about it. But just like with, with expectations in a relationship, it's just like, I don't know. I want, I want that. What you just said, that's, you want to find your best friend. Yeah. Someone who knows what you're thinking, someone who gives you the, 
like, okay, he, and I know that's probably what it wasn't what, wasn't what it was, but like, okay, he made a mistake, but like, I'll give him another chance. Not necessarily give him another chance, but just like, someone who, I guess I, I can't put it to words, but just like that. That's it. Yeah. And it's just like, how do you, how, first of all, tell me, how do you find that? But like, who yeah. knows? And it's just like. I think you can't, well, the whole thing is I think you can't sit there and just casually date if you do want that because you miss out on those opportunities with those people that you could have a really sincere connection with. And that's always been my thing that's fizzled out relationships That's before. why you won't be in relationships because yeah. you don't want to miss out just being in a dumb relationship. Yeah, like, it's interesting, like, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's like, sense. it's like if you were, well, I guess this isn't a good analogy, but say an athlete, is an athlete going to sit there and like play on some like shitty B-league team? Like, when they know they could make it in the pros just because, you know, and then they get injured or something. Like, not your best that's a analogy, bad analogy. I get what you're saying. Yeah, it's they... just, there's no sense in wasting what you got um, just because you feel like you have to do something. Uh, for instance, okay, a better analogy, like a musician. A musician that's like, is a great musician that could be amazing. Are they going to waste their time in a shitty band and be committed to that shitty band just because they want to be in a band? Then all of a sudden, an opportunity comes around, they meet an amazing set of people that they want to make a band with. In a relationship... I'm the type of person, I'd feel like a piece of shit if I just dropped somebody up in dating and I'm just like, sorry, I met someone. For a band, it's you can do that. But like for a relationship, to no, me, I'm just the type of person. Because you feel yeah. shitty for just like leaving the, per- the band or the person. Yeah. yeah. Well, a band, you could leave it, you know, like, fuck it, who cares? Like, that's a band. Like, people get over it. There's not an emotional connection. But I'm the type of person I would hate if somebody was worse off. Like, I broke their heart just because... I was that asshole who, like, wasn't sincere and wasn't, you know. I 100% understand what you're saying. Yeah. You date someone for a year and it's like, I'm in this relationship because I like you and I like being in it. And for them it was more. And Mm -hmm. then you get to the end of it and you're like, okay, we're breaking up. You're like, okay, I'll be fine in, like, two weeks. And you ruin them. Yeah. Because this, um. person you're seeing now. Yeah, this person I'm seeing now, I mean, she she came out of, like, a, a, a. not sure how long, but uh, at least like a year or two relationship. Um, whereas, like, very just like I don't know, it just wasn't like reciprocated love again. And um, just like hearing about it, it's just like I don't know. Like I just I've never wanted to be that asshole mm-hmm. who's just like, yeah, just dating you. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, what do you mean? I, it's not my fault. Like I, I, uh, one of my uh, really good friends over the past few years. His, he he was just like that kind of player dude that would like hook up with girls and they would have like little flings and then like eventually fizzle out because he wasn't serious about it. And the way that he would justify it was always like, well, I didn't make them do anything they didn't want to do. And it's just kind of like, well, I mean, but also if, uh, no, no, no. you know, you're, I don't know. I just, I'm the type of person that I, um, being in a relationship with somebody is basically like committing, like, oh, I'm I'm into you and I like yeah. all these things about you, and it's just like there's a lot more that goes to it than just like I'm just hanging out and they're hanging out and they're choosing to hang out. Yeah, there's a lot more to it. Like you're kind of establishing a connection, you're kind of committing to something. Yeah, and there's a lot to that. I believe there's a lot there's a lot to that, especially to somebody who is more mentally vulnerable, like someone like someone someone whose heart would be broken if you broke up with them after a year and you were just like. Well, that was fun. I'm moving on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so interesting. And I, I don't know. It's like I'm, I think about my past relationships and I'm trying to like think like, did I do that? I don't think I did. But just like, like thinking about like, 
I think that I, I really do think that every relationship that I was in at the time, I was like, this is what I, this is what I want to be able to put my time into it. And that's kind of the thing that says, like, um, <clears throat> not wanting to be emotionless. Like, I believe that it's kind of a bad thing. To, to, it could be conceived as a bad thing, contrived as a bad thing that, like, I did miss out on things because I was in these relationships. But, like, I wasn't just in them to be in them. I was in them because I wanted to be in them. And so I yeah. put in the effort at the time that was, like, exactly what that relationship needed to be a relationship. And when it ended, that's when the effort stopped. And I'm sure that there are cases of, like, months of a year relationship, let's say, where it was, like, not good and bad and didn't need to be in, but that's kind of life and living and making mistakes. Yeah. And I think there's two types of people. Like, some people, you know, you get into periods where it's like, I just want a relationship. Like, I just want to date. I'm more so the type of person, like, the past year I have wanted to date, but it's like, it's not just that I just want to date. It's like, I want to date you. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be with you. I don't want to just be in a relationship. I'm not looking for anybody. Like, I find you interesting. I want to be with you. Yeah, I think I just think things should be fulfilling. How, like, how do you how do you meet people? How do I meet people? We actually met on Tinder. Uh, okay. But I like I like meeting people just in person. But it's like so no. So there are two there are two things. They're meeting on apps and they're not meeting on apps. Yeah. I talked I, th- I talked about this with Molly a bit, but it's like I, I think we talked about it off mic actually. Like, with for me, I for the past a bit. I've only, of the past, like, serious relationships I've had, I've only met one, after after college, not after college, after high school, I've only met one person who I've dated for, like, longer than a while, not on an app. It was because we worked together, and it just mm-hmm. kind of happened, and it was great. Yeah. It was it was my best relationship for two and a half years. Like, mm-hmm. we had a really good time, we had a really good relationship, we're still, like, really good friends, but, like, it's hard to meet people, not only because <clears throat> it's hard to meet people, mm-hmm. it's hard to meet people who are interested in you, Yeah. hard to meet people who are interested in dating like with this whole like, because I learned I learned a lot in that two and a half year relationship about like the the plight of women because you know I'm a man so I don't really have a lot of not insider knowledge on that but dating someone who gets catcalled or something like that I learned a lot and it's just like I don't ever want to be the person and this has stopped me from talking to people who's like I'm gonna hit on this person who today just does not want to hear it but I'm like I'm I'm I'll, I'll go out on a limb and say I'm a nice person and I have genuine interest I think you're really attractive. Do you have mm-hmm. good personalities? Basically, it's not uh, not what I would say, but that's the question I'm asking. Like meeting someone, like I think you're. I like this. Mm. Now I want to kind of know what, what's going on with your brain. And yeah. if I like that, then then I'm interested. You know, right? kind of like that. So it's yeah. like, but like I won't talk to a woman in public because I'm afraid of like she just had the worst day and she had this, and then I come up and I'm like, hi, I'm Jonathan, and she's like, I don't want to hear it. And it's just yeah. like I don't want to be offensive to somebody, so that stops me from talking to people. So that's why I go to the apps because it's like. If they swipe right on me, or if they give me like a little star on like okay Cupid or whatever, they're interested, and then I can proceed knowing they have interest, and I'm not like being, whatever that terminology you want to use for what I described is. Yeah, well, um, I feel like people can see it as invasive, you know, and I yeah. for me it's like I used to when I was younger try to flirt and hit on women, like you know women my age, and that didn't work what worked was when you just talk to somebody and then you're just like hey you want to hang out and then it's it's not like this idea of like oh this person i have to feel out different than other people it's like for me like i mean i feel like if you're if you're gonna try to um be with somebody you should want to be comfortable around them so you should treat them just like you would any other person like you would Mm -hmm. a friend so it's like coming on to somebody and talking to them it's like it's not like trying to like think like oh, I, want right. be my, I want you to be my girlfriend I want like I want to be friends with you yeah exactly and then like maybe that'll develop but honestly um 
But I think it's not getting in this mindset of like thinking like you have to do anything amazing or like flirtatious or hitting on somebody to yep. to get them to bite. It's like you you. There's no game. Just be yourself. Yeah, exactly. And if they like who you are, then that is something that will continue. And I, it's a lot. A lot of times, like the like. And this is completely side tension. I hope to kind of get away from it as soon as I say it. Like, mm-hmm. being in the friend zone isn't like, oh, they're putting you there because they like to. It's like, they don't want to have a relationship with you, so you are a friend to them because mm-hmm. you are not anything else. Mm-hmm. Right? Do you kind of get what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, yeah, if you focus on just having, you know, like, I think you're cool. I'd like to get to know you more. And that's kind of how I approached all the dating apps this time around was, like, I just want to meet people. And yeah. if, if we turn into something, great. But, like, let's just have a fun time and let's, like, let's just talk and whatever. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people don't get that because guys on guys have a bad reputation. I don't know if you've heard. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. But, I mean, there's also, like, you know, shit, shitty women out there, you know? There are, but I feel like But, they, guys, it's, like, the more so it's, like, the expectation of, like, Tinder. It's, like... I'm not just looking for a hookup. You know, girls have to put that out there. And like, guys don't have to put no misogynists. Uh, guys don't have to do yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's definitely interesting living in this age. But honestly, I um, I started going to a psychologist last year during my whole um, issues with anxiety, and uh, then started going to a new one um, in the spring. And he's the one who is like, I was telling him I was trying to get back into dating, but wasn't really sure how, and yada yada, and I hadn't really met anybody in, in a while. And he told me to go on Tinder, because it's like, you know, why not cast a wide net? And, and then um, you never know what will happen. If nothing yeah. happens, nothing happens. Because there are people, there are people uh, like a coworker of mine uh, was saying one day, uh, like several weeks ago, <coughs> that he, he likes the word, he, he's totally against apps dating apps and like he makes more natural uh, yes. organic you know it. meeting in person and then like him and a few other coworkers were going on about that and kind of shitting on dating apps and I was I just think it's like almost like the uh, the argument of like I think you and Will were talking about it like using a phone like some old man being like oh you damn kids use your phone for everything it's like why it, it it's, it's such really an amazing device. Yeah, it's an amazing but tool and I device. Thing I can it aids now. me. It doesn't... I mean, I ha- it can be a bad thing, but... I had to get my phone screen fixed. I didn't have it for two hours. And it was fine. Like, I didn't need to, like, do anything. But, like, I needed to go to Chipotle because I wanted to eat. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know where it was because I didn't have a GPS. <laughs> yeah. Like, that was the thing I missed the most for the two hours. I didn't have GPS. Like, I didn't care if I couldn't text anybody for a bit. Like, it's a good thing to talk to people. But, like, for that time period, like... Cares, I can be alone for two hours, but like I was like walking around, like I don't know where this shit is. Shit. But like, yeah. yeah, like you utilizing it for the tool that it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's all it is. Uh, I feel like people. Um, I don't know. I think you. I I went into it with the whole mindset of just like, just trying to meet people, and if something happens, and that's cool. But I'm I'm totally down with just going and getting drinks or getting you Whatever. know. Let's have a, just let's hanging have out. a fun time. Let's exist yeah. in this world together for however long, and then. If we want to hang out again, great. Like, mm-hmm. I went on, uh, I don't know if this is... Have you ever had a bad Tinder date? Or... A, like, a net, like one where, I'll, where like, that, one that, like one that has a story? Or one that didn't go anywhere? Either, or whichever you think is worth I sharing. I never really had one that was like, this is so bad, I can't wait to tell my friends about it. I've never had one of those. Mm-hmm. But I've had... I've, I, I was actually kind of... This is, that's a great kind of transition. I, um, <clears throat> again, I don't know if this is too telling, but, like, I... Um, I went on five Tinder dates in a week. Woo! I mean, it, it was a good week. My boy. But after that, nothing happened. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so Highs and lows. The first one, was, I thought it went really well. We were going to go out again, but mm-hmm. she didn't really text back. 
Yeah. But we had a fun time. And then we agreed that a little bit later we want to be friends. Like, let's just be platonic friends. Like, that's so fine. Like, I wasn't, I, I wasn't putting any expectations out there. Mm-hmm. Next one, we haven't talked. Uh, the next one, I'm st- still seeing. Mm-hmm. And the next one, we haven't really talked. We snap a bit, but, like, whatever. And then yeah. the last one, I feel like she thought she thought it went really bad. Oh yeah, I don't know because I'm just I'm just like this. I'm I'm open book. I'll talk about anything. I'm not that I have a good time. No expectations. You know, mm-hmm. like let's just have fun. Let's talk about whatever is there to talk about. And it's like, again, to me, they were all fine. Like I could easily see going out with any of them again, just to talk about whatever. Like who cares? Mm-hmm. Like no, again, no expectations. Let's just have fun. Like friends, yeah. who cares? Because I'm I'm looking for people in my life. Like I'm new to Richmond. Like. I've moved around so many times I don't have people in my life. Yeah. Which is kind of the reason I did improv. And, I like, mean, people want to connect with others on yeah. any level, you know. Oh, of course. That's a, yeah. that's a huge thing. So, like, I've gone out, and uh, over my life I've gone out on plenty of dates. Mm-hmm. And I think that I am, again, going out on a limb, I'm nice and charismatic enough that I can carry any kind of conversation or date to its uh, end. Mm-hmm. To like it's socially constructed. If anybody's making it awkward, it's the other person. It's like in their head, you know. Exactly. Like, yeah, I, I'm good. You don't have to be anything more than yourself. Just show me who you are. Like, let's let's see it. Like, mm-hmm. I like this band. Let's talk about why I like it. Let's talk about whatever. Who cares? Like, we'll just get into anything. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people put a lot of expectations on it, and it's just like, no, I'm kind of just just being myself. And it's like, so realistically, like. If you want to put a batting average on it, like that week I batted a 200, realistically. Well, I guess mm. a 300, technically, if you count like getting a friend. Maybe 400 if you want to count that as a win, but just like. Wait, wait, wait let's crunch the numbers on this real quick. <laughs> yeah, I got. I'm gonna need more All right, paper. get that calculator. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny. One thing that I was just thinking of is uh, when you're, you were saying something earlier, it was just. Uh, you know, I think the one thing that people don't like about apps is like this whole, like, oh, we met on an app, where they want this, like, grandiose, like, I was working at the coffee shop, and she said, I'll get a small coffee, and I said, black or cream? And, you know, and, like, they they want this, like, amazing interaction like that's really that cute you that had. you can harken back to. Well, um, when we, we met on uh, Tinder, but the whole thing was, like, okay, so we met on Tinder, but... Like, that was how in we my got mind. into contact with each other, but after that, like, the, our first date is the, is the story. Yeah, that's the thing, exactly, like... Like, with her and I, we met at Lamplighter. Do we it, got do it. What? I'm going to get into my survival. Oh, wait, you get okay. yours first. We were both going on the same train. Okay. Well, yeah, we uh, we met up at Lamplighter after, like, uh, like three weeks of being like, yeah, we'll meet up, and uh, just stuff happening each weekend. Sure. And we met up at Lamplighter, got coffee, and we're just talking about just like this, like, just talking about <coughs> random stuff, talking about Trump, talking about this, talking about that, her, what she does, like, art, and, you know... Improv comedy Love for me. on the show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, man, maybe. Um, but uh, it was, like, so funny because, like, we both had, like, these little awkward moments where it was, like, lulls. But later on, we were talking about it, how, like, it was because it was fucking blazing hot inside of Lamplighter and we were both sweating our asses off. And, like, so we were having these little lulls where, like, I was almost kind of sitting there, and I'm sure she was almost kind of sitting there like, oh, no, there's, like, a lull, you know, like. Silence is okay, but, though. Yeah, silence is fine. Silence <clears throat> is fine. But there's, you like, some people yell, who can't. You yell. Silence is fine, I swear. No, 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 I swear. <laughs> no, 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 no. But, but, but. Um, <laughs> silence know? is fine. I love silence. Um, 
as but, well. What we're saying is every, every, the other person thinking the other. Th- each person is thinking, I bet the other person is having a bad time right now. But yeah, they're, but ex- they're not. exactly. No, they're that's, just that's like, exactly what I was if, trying if, to say. If you just, if both people were just like, this is an okay moment, I should think of something else to say because we're having a conversation, but like, mm-hmm. you don't need to fill the silence. Mm-hmm. Have a moment. Yeah. Talk on, and if, if you if you feel the, just don't feel the pressure. Like, it's okay. And yeah. if you're with somebody who is like, gonna give you what you want, mm-hmm. they're gonna be okay with it too. And they're yeah. gonna be like, yeah, we were quiet for a minute, and it was okay. But it's, like, one of those funny things of just, like, yeah, we, like, were sweating our asses off talking in a coffee shop and ended up talking for, like, three hours. Then that night we went to a party that she invited me out to. And that's, like, if we start <coughs> dating and have, like, a relationship, that to me is, like, the story. It's not, like, oh, yes, uh, she dropped a paper on the street, and I picked it up for her, and we made eye contact. Like, shut the fuck up. Like, people romanticize that bullshit in their heads so much. Like, About what you do with the relationship that behind me. Yeah. It's all, it's all like, I don't know. Like, I thought she was a bitch in my biology class. We'd always argue. And then one day, we were watching a movie together. And That's, a like, worse story. Yeah. That's a worse story. Than yeah, exactly. So it could, go, it could go the other way. <laughs> but all of your yeah. examples were pretty funny. Yeah. What about, uh, can, can I take a bathroom break real quick? Yeah. Go for it. I got it there. It took me a long, a lot of work to figure out how to get it to do, like, the recording both at the same time and, like, two different yeah. mics. <clears throat> that was a fun time. Okay, so. Cool. We were talking about relationships. You told us your story. I'm having trouble connecting to the internet. <laughs> Take a look at the help section in your Alexa Ooh, app. wow. Fuck you, Alexa. <laughs> That's so is that top one my vocal track? Yeah, I don't. I listen to it and it sounds fine. I think there's something going on with this one, but that one always kind of reads small. Yeah, you can mess with that as much yeah, as you let's want. Say. If you bring it in, I mean, it sounded like it was doing pretty well. You're not going to get anything out of that. That pop filter is a piece of shit. Okay. But you can also, um, like, you can keep it higher up. It'll still, like, read you from here. Okay. Cool. That should be fine. And nice. I, nice. I, I did a quick nice. listen because I have been I've been paying attention to that the whole time, and okay. it sounds fine. Yeah. Cool. Fine. All right. Nice. <clears throat> so that was a great story. I can. Uh, I went on a Tinder date with somebody, and we we talked. We were at uh, a place for a while, and it was hot. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, like, any any story, the way you tell it, it's all about how you tell it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, honestly, I think it's like honestly, it's, it's stupid to me the idea that like on Tinder you could meet somebody that's like a better connection because it's more you have like more of a wealth of options. It's not like um, it's like just these days I feel like they're it, it's not like it was in the 30s and 40s where it's like, hey there, Susie, would you love to go to the dance with me? And it's like you know, well, yeah, Brian, uh, that's what <laughs> society tells us to do, and I don't really have a choice. <laughs> It was like basically like arranged marriage back in the day. Fuck the first guy you, that told you, God "Let's go to the Sadie Hawkins Steve. dance." Yeah, or let's go to. You want to go to the Teen Cantina? And, you know, like. Um, but these days, <laughs> it's you, like. Did you practice your accent over the break? It's got so much better. No, no, that's just that's just yeah. Full bladder just yeah, that's, your accents. Yeah, good to um, know. But it's you know I just I think it's really silly. I think a lot of people. People don't like organic, natural, uh, you know, connections in social settings because it allows for a better connection. Though that may be possible, I think a lot of people like it just for the whole, like, stupid social media, social aspect of, like, who we met in person, you know, like, it's such a, it's such a, like... You're not doing it for the fact that you like it, you're doing it for the story. Yeah, exactly. If you really did like it, you just wouldn't use the apps and you wouldn't have an opinion on it, like, oh, I just, I just, I prefer it. Yeah, if you if you want to find a good relationship, 
you will you will pursue every avenue. Thank you. That sounds very validating to me because it's like I use these apps because I'm like <clears throat> well, one of the things I like to do is I have a very weird presence when I'm on the app. So like the thing <laughs> the things that I'll say. <laughs> you have a cape in your photos and my, like a <laughs> my Tinder photo was me in a United States flag onesie. Okay. Yeah, I mean that. I don't mean to be edgy, but to me that was just silly. That's me. <laughs> that's that's uh, I, I. As you should be. So like I like to be silly on the apps, and I like to have really fun and fast conversations because that's how I like to be in real life. Like yeah, there's like like but the show like there's no reason to like bat around. Let's fucking let's get right into it, and we did, mm-hmm. and we I do, and it's just like on these apps like let's get into it. Like mm-hmm. if I send you a silly message and you respond with what like no I sent you something silly like. Yeah. And this this kind of goes to one of my favorite quotes of Nick Kroll on the Pete Holmes podcast. Like, I just want someone who can do A to C. Like, someone who can keep up with me. Yeah. If I send you a silly message and you jump on board and we're, and we're into it, you can keep up with me. And I'm, like, a thousand times more interested than if you had just been like, I don't really mm-hmm. want to do that. But, I'm, I mean, on the other hand, like, maybe that's just maybe that's what I want. Maybe that's something that I really need to look for. But also, like... I don't need someone... My partner doesn't necessarily need to be able to one that does it. Maybe I just want that because I don't have that with people. But, like, well, you, are, you and I are friends now. Like, that's a thing. Oh, Molly shit. And I, yeah. When you come Fuck. on the show, we're friends. That's, that's what, what this is all about? No! <laughs> yeah, Molly. I'm maxed out on my friends list. No, no, no. <laughs> Molly, yeah. Molly was too. We're all friends, I feel like, in improv class. Except for, um... <clears throat> there's, like... Some people who don't really come to Saison afterwards all I mean, the time. For, but everybody's, like, cool, things. you know. But, but we, we were literally doing bits at the table last time, last Sunday. Yeah, no, that was a lot of fun. I was sitting there, I was like, wow, this is, like, a lot of fun. Coming out of that, just, like, uh, like I love that Smokey's gotten so much more comfortable. More comfortable. I can't yeah. wait till she does the show. I'm, I have no idea how it's going to go. I'm sure it'll go great. I'm She's, sure. uh, really it'll be interesting to see her, like, not in a social setting. It's literally, like one-on-one with questions being asked i feel like she might more so have a problem with uh with like having an expectation of being funny yeah and like coming up with something on the spot when she's realizing more and more that she actually just just is funny and that's improv is just when you're honest honest somebody's gonna appreciate it whether they laugh or not like you were saying you didn't get laughs the first time yeah, you did, yeah, like, John yeah, Bly. Yeah. I feel like for improv, especially for scene work, like, it's not necessarily about getting the laughs. It's like, can you add to the scene? And that was, like, when I did the improv mixer, I felt like I was totally, like, I didn't, I, my first scene, it was funny. And I was with Ryan Clatterbuck, and he's, like, hilarious. He's doing the so, show. What was that? Oh, he's, he's doing, oh, yeah, that's right. That's Sunday. awesome. He's hilarious. He'll be great. Um, But uh, the second scene that I did, um, I felt like, I felt like I didn't do a good job. And when I was thinking about it later, it wasn't that I wasn't getting laughs. It's that I felt like I wasn't adding to the scene. And I was also thinking about it. I was like, the guy that I did the scene with, I felt like wasn't giving my character room to speak. And so I felt like it, we still got laughs. But what I realized was, they I think it's a more enjoyable... What was that? They didn't set you up. Like, you were setting them up. Well, they didn't give me... Yeah, they didn't really give me the, the windows to... To say your things, yeah. To so so, it's just like I feel like it's a more enjoyable and uh, a good experience. That's why the Twenty One game is so cool. To anybody listening who doesn't know what it is, the Twenty One game is like our improv class. We huddle together and we have to count to twenty one without any like preconceived pattern. And if people in the group say what something like, at the same the, time, yeah. we start over. 
And so it's, it's actually way harder than it sounds, but that game is great because... Um, it leaves pauses and lets other people kind of jump in. Yeah. And in, in, an, in an improv scene, if you leave a pause and someone jumps in, you give them that. And even if two people jump in at the same time, you... It, it, I mean, this isn't in the 21 game, but just like... If I was speaking and I was waiting for you to speak, but you didn't, and then I spoke again, and then you didn't speak, and then I gave you another spot, and then you started to speak, but then I, I did it at the same time, I would stop to let you speak because I had been speaking. I've been waiting to set you up, and then you found a way to get in. Exactly. Yeah, and see, like this right now, it's like you understand like the social back and forth of like you just you just shared a thought, and then the next person shares a thought. Or if somebody's going on a long thought, you let them finish it, and then you make a point to it. And it's like that's what it's, one thing that's interesting about improv, I think, is just that... um. It definitely uh, helps you, like, I think a lot of people would benefit just from learning not to, like, talk over people, no matter how much you feel like what you have to say needs to be said in that exact moment. I will say, because I can think of, I can't think of specific, but I know I've done it in this conversation. Sometimes I feel like conversationally, it works, and it's not, like, something I should be, like, I should never, ever talk over somebody, but, like, if I feel you're getting to the end of your thought, and I don't know, I guess, com- for me, conversationally, I think it works. But I get, I 100% get what you're saying, and I agree, yeah. but I feel like if I just say, like, never, like, that's a bad thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Well, I, I'm the type of guy, it's like, I can interject with so many little thoughts and stuff that could be funny make people laugh when somebody's, like, saying, like, sharing a thought or a story, but I've just learned over the years, it's like, it's, it's it, from my own perspective, I'm an asshole because I'm not letting somebody finish their thought, and it's like, I could interject while my friend is sharing something in a uh, uh, little circle of friends at like a party I could interject and say something funny or I could just shut the fuck up when I'm finished and let us all enjoy ourselves and have a good conversation either way we're all going to be enjoying the conversation and I just feel like people in general can 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 be irritated when they feel like they're not really being like given the room that they need and that's the thing with improv is letting not feeling like you need the spotlight, like yeah. that you have your time. And if it work, if my joke, if I had a joke that works at the middle of your sentence and not the, at the end, then that joke gets trashed. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it can come up later, but like you know, you, you aren't the you aren't the main person. You're not the reason. You're not the the the, the only person who can have something. Mm-hmm. Eat your joke, move on. Mm-hmm. Like don't don't put yourself above. No, the norm of like yeah. the scene, and sometimes it's good because what you're thinking of isn't necessary or funny. Like I remember, like the John Bly Jam, that one that you went to, we both went to that wall. That uh, waiter, there's a blank in my soup game. Yeah, that yeah, we there. Yeah, I was there. I was the one that like uh, there was an umbrella in the soup, and I got up and I was like, God damn it, Rihanna, get back <laughs> out here. That was so good. Yeah, but that was the thing. Oh I have like five or six. Ones that I wanted to use mine? on previous ones. I don't remember yours, but I remember, like, there's this one guy who came at the end with, like, a group, and he just kept, like, jumping in front of everybody, and I just wanted to be like, dude, yeah. shut the fuck up. He like kept, He kept having me pose in his Snapchat. <laughs> really? Yeah. I know exactly uh, what you're talking about. I'm sure he was a little sauced, but, like... Maybe, but he, he was funny. I will give him that. He was funny, but he was stepping on toes a little bit. Yeah, he was funny, like, two out of the seven times that, like... I guess I was just a little Because there was one where it's like, waiter, there's a comb my soap in soup, and he got up and he was like, oh, man, Sean P. Diddy Combs. Oh, yeah, And, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. was just like, dude, <laughs> sh- get back on the wall. Like, and that's, like, the whole aspect of just, like, it's so much more fun when you just let, like, because Smokey's somebody who seems <coughs> like she needs a moment to finish her thought. 
And if you let her finish her thought, Talking about she's hilarious. hilarious. Yeah. And if you're somebody who interjects and, like, tries to, like, be like, <laughs> no, I'll, I'll let you finish. Like, I don't know. Or panicking because she's not saying anything and just like, well, I have to make this funny now. Like, yeah. Take a second. Yeah, let people... Honestly, one of the funniest moments I've seen in improv that I've only seen... It's been, like, two months since the first improv show I've ever seen, and it was at Coalition. And that night, it was uh, Second Best Comedy Fest, and they had this troupe from New York called uh, Yo Mama's Biscuits uh, perform, and they were hilarious. <laughs> and the one of the funniest parts to me was... Uh, there was a scene where they were trying to convince one character or two characters were trying to convince this other character to sit uh, with the back of the chair in front of him, like a cool person, you know. And that sounds awesome. And he had a moment where he, you could tell he was he was having to make his argument of why not. And so there's a moment, and there was like a kind of extended pause of like five, six, seven seconds, and you're like, you know, waiting. And if somebody would interject it in front of him it during that pause, it. it would have ruined it. But all of a sudden, he was just like, but. I, I need back support. And it was hilarious, and everybody because laughed. And to me, okay. having back problems, it was hilarious. Exactly. So. That, that is like the spirit of improv, and you just nailed it. And I think that hopefully we as a class can all – I'm not like thinking of anyone in particular, but like hopefully everyone gets that and can do that because that is extremely important. Mm-hmm. That is, that is the, the crutch of just like being able to feel out a scene. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I think that um, we got a really good group. We do. I hope that I've had a fun time. We've already had some people hit their max absences, so the next time they miss, they're out. And I'm just like, I hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, I've had one. Um, yeah, it, Carlos. Carlos is out. Dipped. He had to dip um, after week who's, one. Who's got Nora. max absence? Yeah, um, and she missed the last two. Yeah, and Patouche. Oh yeah. He's missed the last two. Wow. Yeah, the, the past two classes have been kind of small. Huh. So with so improv, what made you sign up for 101? We're in, um, we're in 101. I, I guess I didn't really get it. We're in a 101 class together. I, most people I've had on the show lately have been from 101, and they're all incredibly awesome people. So, like, what made you say, like, I'm going to take this class? Um, It was honestly just, uh, I knew I had to get in. Like, I started talking and, like, writing comedy last summer during the anxiety phase. And I knew that I wanted to share it. And I needed a, I need a creative outlet. I'm the type of person that needs a creative outlet. And for so many years with music, I was writing in my room and never really shared it with people. I'd jam with friends. And there'd be times where, like, you know, we'd be at a friend's house and there'd be a bunch of people over, you know, a bunch of girls. And we'd all be getting, you know, you know pre-game and whatnot. And then some of us would pick up a guitar. I'd pick up the guitar and I'd, like, anyway, rip on something. What was that? Anyway, here's Wonderwall. Yeah, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> and then all the women were like, oh, who's that? <clears throat> no, but I'd, like, start playing, and people would be like, whoa, what the fuck? You're good, dude. Like, what was that? And it would be me dicking around, like, make, making fun of metalcore or something, and people were like, whoa, dude, that's sick. You're a sick guitar player. But I never, like, shared it outside of that just because I was like, I, I, like, wanted to be perfect before I shared things. But with comedy, I was like, I just need to jump into it. And so um, I applied, um... One other time earlier in the year, didn't get it, like, I think back in the winter. And then uh, semester came around the spring, and I just got sidetracked. And then this summer, um, there's a guy named Anthony at the theater who um, was telling me, like, come out to John Bally Jam. And then my psychologist I was talking to, um, I was talking to him about the comedy and everything. He was, like, one of those, like, he was the person I was talking to who was, like, you need to, you know, go out there and pursue it. You should sign up for that internship again, see if you get it. I got the internship, and um, I mean, I've just been jumping into it because it's one of those things where it's just like, 
I'm very much of the belief these days. Just, just do it. Yeah, I'm into it. Plug Nike. Um, uh, just do it. Us. But uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, man, it's like, especially my friend passing away. It's just like he was so funny, and I don't have anything to remember him by. We would always talk about doing videos. We always had all these like funny videos. videos ideas. Yeah. yeah, sketch videos, and we never did anything with them. We just always talk about it. We'd always talk about doing music, Talking recording, about making yeah. a band, and we never got around to it. And so all I have left of this guy, who is an amazing friend of mine, are my memories. And I know that with time, those are going to fade. Yeah. And that, to me, is like a shitty thought that I don't want to have happen, but it's an inevitability of life. But for me, improv is also beyond just a way of me maybe eventually, like, almost preserving my image for other people who may, you know, if, you know, something happens and they want to remember me by. You're basically channeling your aunt. My what? Your aunt. Aunt? Aunt? Your relative and your family, she saw someone pass and she was anxious about it. Yeah, no, and that's a big part, but also, I mean, on top of it, I was like, I want to meet people. I just went through this period where I wasn't very social. I I, want to go out there and meet people. Mm -hmm. I knew this would be a way of meeting. Like one of the things my psychologist was talking to me about and got to the point of suggesting and realizing that I didn't even come to on my own is just that it seems like these creative types are the people, like my kind of people that I need to be around. to improv, you'll find your people. That was my big thing was like, I've I've always wanted to do stand-up and music. And the podcast came later. And improv only came about because Pete talked about doing improv. And he has all these people who he's met doing comedy. And he's in big comedy scenes, so it's a lot easier. Like, I'm sure Richmond has a very small one. But, mm-hmm. like, improv, like, I figured I would meet people who would be my friends, who would be funny, who I could sit at a table at Cezanne and do bits with. Yeah. Like, I was, that, was, that was exactly what I wanted mm-hmm. when I signed up for this class. Like, that was, that was the dream. I was like, I'll meet people. I'll have friends. We'll... I will make friendships. I will do whatever. Like that will that will, that will happen. Mm-hmm. So like to me, that's that's the incredible thing. And like, yeah, how that how how it's working out is just like exactly. And I'm just trying to like live it and push it. Yeah. No, I feel you. And know, I honestly feel like a huge part for me was just like I I got to a point of realizing like I really need something extra to flesh out my Tinder bio. <laughs> and so I was like, what the fuck else am I gonna do? <laughs> But seriously, it was just, like, me, people, and get back into that, like, I, honestly, the first time I did Jambalaya Jam, the first scene that I did, it was, like, the chair game where you sit in a chair, and you, they touch you, and you finish your, their sentence. Yeah. That was the first improv game you. I'd ever done, and... Oh, you guys got into poop way fast. Was that you, or was that the other Yeah, game? yeah, I said poop. He just went with But it. I was so nervous, and so I just went with, like, just what I was thinking, and I, I was, got, like... I got lucky, because my, because we did, did you, you, you went up twice in addition to the end thing. Right? No, um, I went up once and did the, the chair, chair game. game. And then the end thing. And then, um, I th- yeah, and then um, <clears throat> there was the questionnaire game where it's like there was the panel of like Colt was like Paula Dean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then, yeah, and so I like, I just asked a question. Okay. And okay. so that was like, I, I, I got to be a part of three games but the one game i got to be a part of was the one where you control their body yeah that one i feel like wouldn't be fun it was the only thing because they were first of all they were skydiving yeah so other than putting their arms up there's not much you can do yeah but when they landed i got a big laugh by taking i don't know the names of the guy i had but he was like stabbing the other guy yeah and i got a big laugh for that mm-hmm. i don't know if it was because of what i did or what like the word because he made it funny with his words but just yeah. like 
that was the game I got. You got you had a yeah, but being nervous, like I was nervous on stage during the end part when it was like my jokes were. You terrible. still jumped up and did it. That's what's important. Exactly. That, no, that, that that's the way I'm trying to do it with the class. Like, anytime there's a volunteer like me, like I'm first. Like, yeah. Let's go. Like I want to be. I want to do as much as possible because I want to be better. And I want to like improv to me is like super something that's super fun. I don't know how long I'll do it. Mm-hmm. But like. Right now, I'm having a blast. We did the the freeze game for an hour. I wish I wish I could get a bunch of us together to do that on a normal day. Just yeah, like, right. That's so much fun. It was so much fun. Yeah. Even even with like the, the 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 words thing, like that was just like it was just fun. It was just like I I didn't even fo- I wasn't even focused on like an audience. Like Patrick was only there, but just like I was more focused on like getting in there and doing the fun things that because it was so much fun doing that freeze game. Freeze mm-hmm. game is two people do a scene, they have to do you your kind of goal was to do these poses that are ridiculous and then someone on the wall who can jump in will say freeze, take their place and start a new scene. And so like mm-hmm. to me it was just like wait, waiting for the good stuff, waiting for the good poses or like also not wanting to jump in too much but just like just want to do it and just get out there and do something. Yeah. And, and I, I I don't I think I think I expect myself to be really good. I think I'm not necessarily bad, but I'm not really good. And, like, getting out there and then having time the whole week to reflect on, like, being better for myself and also just employing these things better. Like, it's good that I'm out there and I have these times. Like, I'm thinking now, like, freeze game, I had fun going out there, but... And there's, like, there's no wrong answer. So, like, I, well, a lot of times I'll go out there and I'll kind of set them up for a funny thing. Because when you, when you freeze somebody out and you come in... My my first expectation is say something hilarious with the new poses that you guys are in, mm-hmm. and so like that's that that works of course, but that's not always has to how it has to be. There's yeah. no pressure. Take a funny pose and then say something that's innocuous so that sets them up or just continues the scene. Yeah, definitely. I feel like yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun just because for me it's like coming into a pose. It's like totally about like what makes the most sense. Exactly. To me, it's gonna be like make because like. Well, well that, that's magic. You either make sense, go with it, or you go completely against it. His king analogy, you either love gold or you hate gold. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. so those are the two ways that you yeah. should go. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, honestly, uh, it was kind of funny. I don't know if it was because I, like, was just tired. But, like, when I'm in class, I, like, I hate when we get to, like, the moments where it's, like, people ask a bunch of questions. Like, after carpool... I think you and Lou, and Lou had, like, a few questions, much. and we were just talking for 50 minutes, and I was totally just like, let's just play it again. Like, that's, what, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. But at the same time, I was like... And we ended up not playing it again. Yeah. I was like, The, the thing that sucks is, because that question, we, we, the question was a good one. I, 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 think you, I think you'd agree with that. It was like, Yeah, it was a good question, and then, but it was but like... He, but he did talk forever, no offense. Yeah. But all I had to say was, that was good, and that's it. Yeah. Not and not where you try to go, but with improv, there's no wrong answers, and that was well, he was like off like no sleep. So I understand he was he said that he, and he was, was also like super high off of his Chicago trip. Which yeah, is exactly. Totally so he had so much fresh in his mind, but uh, yeah, which I'm really glad that he went on that because I feel like we're getting some knowledge that isn't t- typically in the 101 curriculum. Oh yeah, that whole like shosho bobo, bobo double, like God, using the, the just imaginary I, language. The best thing was he started it, and I was immediately on board. I was Everybody like, was. I am yeah. in. It was so cool. It was, it was so cool to see. Yeah, I um. The more we do it, the more excited I am. Uh, yeah, I I was honestly like pretty upset. Not upset, but like I was like bummed that last week and I had to miss. Oh yeah, I um, I will not miss if mm-hmm. I can help it. Yeah, for me it was just like a whole. It was the moving bunch in of the crap. rain kind of thing. Huh? Moving in the rain kind of thing. No, no, no. It was like, just 
work without I didn't know that I'd work like my schedule changed for the first time in like eight months worked on a day I haven't worked since like last October and like just like what woke up yeah but anyways um yeah improv's awesome uh did that first sketch with Patrick and did you, go, did to you just do... go to him and say can we do a sketch yeah, I emailed him. I was just like, hey, man, uh, are you interested in this? There's, like, minimal involvement from you. You literally have, like, three lines. and um, He was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, because he said the first day of class, and that's when I, like, I asked him after the first day of class. He was like, if you guys ever want to do lab together or, like, which that's, like, basically I think what he said was lab. I was like, if you guys want to do lab together, like, do some improv just to get some practice and experience, I'll probably almost always say yes. Uh, cause I want to help you guys out and help you guys like really jump into this if you want to. Yeah. And so with that, he also, I had heard from like a few people that coalition for a while now has been trying to get more into sketch work and they just haven't been able to get to that point of people really jumping into sketch work. And it's funny because like we were in the back and I was talking with Patrick, uh, right before we did the scene and this guy, Elliot, that I don't know if you've met. I think his name's Elliot. There's um, so many people. Yeah. Um, but we were talking, and uh, Elliot was talking about how stressful sketch work is and how, like, they've had, like, he did the Valentine's Day sketch show this year and, like, how it was so stressful and this and that. And it's just funny, and, and that's why I want to keep pursuing it just because I was just, pursuing like... sketch? Yeah, pursuing sketch just because I was, like, sitting there, I was, like, honestly, like, I think... Um, I think I really enjoyed it. It's, like, nerve-wracking before going up, but, like, once I got sure. up on the stage, there's something about being able to do rehearsed material that you've done a bunch of times that it's, like, it's really, uh, it's nice having, like, going from improv and having that make you nervous, jumping up in there and getting okay with that, and then going to something where it's, like, I know exactly what I'm saying, you know, and I know. a little bit better. Yeah. I, if you were looking for someone else to get in sketch... I would love to get into sketch. Definitely. I did a punch-up of Molly's sketch when we were... Or yours or Molly's. One of the, I, I don't know. A punch-up? We're like... We, she went over her sketch, and I made it better by like coming up with a joke. And she's like, oh, Sprinkled some, some spice on there. Yeah, but just like... I think that... I don't I don't necessarily... I have very few... I have a... I have a I had, actually, you, were, you weren't there for the premise that I had. The, I'll tell you about it after. But like... Mm-hmm. I, I don't have a lot of, like, good ideas, but I feel like if if we're talking through ideas, I can say, like, oh, I think it'd be funny if this, and, like, building on them. And so, like, I think I would love to be a part of, like, a sketch team. Yeah. It would so, just be, like... like if, so if the coalition is trying to get into sketch, and we are starting, do you plan to take 201, 301, 401? Yeah. And the thing is, this is, like, the only semester that they're only offering improv. I'm pretty sure the net, like... Yeah, they'll offer sketch writing and... Yeah, like, and com- stand-up. Stand so I... I honestly don't think I'm going to go into sketch or stand-up right away, even though I'm interested in it. Like, honestly, for sketch and stand-up, like, it might sound, like, pompous. Oh, good. But I'm just, like, I'd rather feel it out through failure than go into a class and be like, oh, this is how you write a sketch. It's like, no offense, but, like, I feel like sketch writing is, it's like writing music. It's like acting, like, you can learn music theory, but you can still be a shit songwriter. You can Mm -hmm. know the parameters all you want. And vice versa, you can know no music theory. Like, um, one of my favorite bands of all time, the Mars Volta, um, their guitar player, Omar Rodriguez Lopez, he's, like, the mastermind behind it. He, like, he doesn't know concrete music theory, Mm -hmm. or at least didn't when they first started out. But he's made, like, amazing, really, uh, 
expansive music just by like dabbling in it and reading up on stuff and like seeing more so examples and like drawing from yourself into it yeah as opposed to like i just i improv is something where i feel like it's good to get into a classroom setting and really explore it and the mindset of it because stand-up is something you do by yourself sketch i mean you find someone who wants to do a sketch and then you do it yeah with improv like having a team and having uh, people you come up with throughout all the classes that's something special that you can't get anywhere else that's something you only get there that's what i'm looking forward to and why i hope that a lot of people who are in one-on-one because some of the, everyone's funny, but there's like some people because I'm asking everybody, and some people who are saying no, and like bomb that like Quentin's not gonna because he's in school, so he'll, yeah. he'll do 201 next summer, and I'm just like that sucks because I would love to do stuff with Quentin, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like I can't remember who else, but just like hoping that everyone goes on because everyone's so funny, and I want to keep doing all these things with them, and like mm-hmm. that's kind of what I'm in for. I'm in for building these relationships that are that are. The foundation was improv, and then it's built upon. You know yeah, I mean? and just having those bonds, exactly. you know, because those are gonna be friends that, that, that that's something I missed out on. With. I don't have these bonds with a lot of people. Yeah, like I have one friend from high school. I have, um, one friend from college. Mm-hmm. Like, like one like I'm gonna like real deep connections. Like, yeah, and that's not bad. I mean, no one's not. People say a handful of friends. I believe it, but just like, I feel like the like. Me, I could have done more. I could have had more. And, like, with this, like, that's what I want. And it doesn't have to be deep. Like, I just want to have friendships. I want to have friendships. I want to build yeah. things. And, like, doing comedy is so rewarding. Yeah, especially improv, just because it's, like, mus- it's like comedic jamming. Mm-hmm. You know, or, like, you'll see, like, uh, like, friends. Like, I've had friends over the years where it's, like, you show up to their house and some of them are really good musicians, and they're playing around on the guitar. And some, pe- some person just picks up the bongos and just says, like... And it's like, they are not a good musician, but they can add to it and do have fun with it, too. And it's just, like, it's cool when you can just have, like, a mixture of people all creating something that, like... You know, you walk into a room with a bunch of people doing that, and you're like, hell yeah, man, like, this is awesome, like... You 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 watch a group of people construct an improv scene, and is it, like okay. I have so many moments like seeing like the good troops at uh, at Coalition, especially big bosses. They are the best. Like times where like I'm watching them and just like I'm thinking in my head like as they hit like these awesome notes, just like motherfucker, like you guys are so in sync with this whole thing that you got going on and it's just it's such it's such a cool thing to see people just construct something out of thin air like that because there's only so many things in the world where you can do that Mm -hmm. everything has to be so structured yeah and yet improv improv yeah well i don't know i think there's the thing that i struggle with is there's structure in getting to the point where you can do that like getting classes, having a time, meeting up, and then being able to just unstructurally get on stage and do that. Mm-hmm. But, like, with music, like, setting up, having people do this, and then getting together and jamming like that, like, that's kind of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. But so I think it's, that's, that's what we're talking about is, like, the unstructuredness of once you, your amp's turned on and everyone's ready, like, just rolling with it. Or, like, once the, the stage lights are on and they introduce you, like, just rolling with it and just mm-hmm. creating in the moment. It's Yeah, there's definitely, like, a certain magic to it that I'm... Oh, really yeah. excited. Like, I'm actually really excited for the state, the, the class showcase. Yeah, same here. Yeah, luckily I'll be able to make it. Are you, um, have you, or 
Have you been to any of the shows? Like I Big Bosses to, or No, Riot? I saw the KGB one. You should go to Riot. When's that? Is that Saturday? That's Saturday nights at 8 p.m. It's got Big Bosses, and that'll either be something like Ambassadors usually goes or like Dollar Machine. You want to go Saturday? Um, if, if I'm available, um, I just don't know with like this girl I've been talking to. It's like, we've been spending so much time together. It's Same. like, I've, I've yeah. been down to shows cause I'm, I'm gone, yeah. committed to going to the Friday show with Molly. Usually. Yeah. Yeah. I heard that. And I was thinking about going to that if I am free, but it's been such a spontaneous thing of like, let's hang out. You know, You're we, waiting. Oh gosh. I, we could, we could, I, I want so much <laughs> to hear, but we got in so much relationship and there's still a couple of things I want to talk about, but yeah. like, oh my gosh, really talking relationship with you is like. We should. We'll probably still talk about it. Yeah, definitely. So that's a good time to transition. So, you, did you grow up in Seattle? No, Seattle. Seattle. No, no. I Where grew up in North Virginia. From? Wait, say again. The the teacher. Oh, he he is a principal out there right now. Oh. He okay. yeah he moved out there. He's from Seattle. Um. So you but grew I grew up in, up in Northern Virginia. What is Northern Virginia to you? Because I'm not from Virginia. Northern Virginia. Is that big pile of shit that's right underneath DC on the map? That's above, is, um, is the bottom, Fred, like, above pretty much above Fredericksburg. That's where my parents yeah. live. Yeah, I um, you know Potomac Mills Mall. Nope. Uh, it's like a big like outlet mall. Um, where like oh I think IKEA I do. is that by um Woodbridge. Yeah, that's okay. where I grew yeah, up. I know that. I know the I know, Woodbridge I know Dale this. City area. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's where I grew up, and it's like really interesting just because um, it's an interesting environment up there where. You have all these people working in D.C. in this doggy dog world, and they bring the stress home and infect their kids with it. So many of them, and uh, it it's there's Northern Virginia is just a very vapid environment for a kid to grow up in uh, from like uh, intellectual and cultural standpoint. Yeah, that um, it's been that. interesting being down here, and that was one of the things that I feel like it's taken me so long to like actually. Granted, I've had, like, problems with depression and some shitty circumstances, but it's, like, uh, I grew up in an area for so long where it was, like, you you were expected to find happiness through spending money, and me and my friends always just would, like, a lot of kids up there, they just, like, smoke weed, and they, like, you know, now heroin's becoming a problem up there, and, um... Yeah, it's uh, it's just shitty because down here, I've really I really feel like I grew up I've grown up in Richmond. I feel when like did, I, when did you move to Richmond? Uh, 2011. I was 19, um, and started going to VCU part time and working part time, and uh, yeah, and then um, did that for a couple years and went full time, and now I'm like in the last year of my degree. Nice. Your your undergraduate degree. Yep. What's your what's your major? Uh, business management with a concentration in human resource management. I'm sure you said that a thousand times. Yeah, sure and that's I'm, the best question everyone asks. I don't anticipate saying it another thousand times, but that is life, <laughs> and that's how it'll go. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's been awesome down here because it's just it's so, um, it's so I've been so endeared towards the city because there is just so much culture here in such a small space. And, you know, I just think that um, it, it took me a while to really get out of that, that rut of, like, thinking that I had to, like, smoke and drink and, like, be around friends to have fun uh, to really realize that 
no, you can go out there and like start new hobbies and meet new people and um you don't have to be entrenched in these in these circles. tiny subcultures of small towns. Yeah, exactly. And Northern Virginia is just like very toxic. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's just like um, looking at my parents moved down here. My dad's been significantly happier since he moved down here. So wait, um, the whole, you made the whole family moved? Yeah. Well, my, my mom and dad, uh, moved down here, I think three years ago. They move, they live out in Amelia, which is like 45 minutes Southwest of here. And it's like a country kind of farm area. So they get all the, the love of where they like to be, but they're close enough. Yeah. They're close to their, to me, my brother, my sister's in Fredericksburg, so she's close too. But, um, my, my dad still works like he works in Richmond, but he can retreat out to, uh, out to a quiet home, which is, is good for him. But, uh, yeah, Northern Virginia is just like, um, yeah, it's just people are very much concerned with things that I don't think are fruitful endeavors. And they aren't concerned with the things that really matter, which is connections and so I growth. Feel like, I feel like, definitely, I feel like I'm fascinated <clears throat> with the concept of, like, family involvement and creativity. Mm-hmm. Because, and this is not a, a, a knock on my family, mm-hmm. I realized that my family was never encouraging of these creative endeavors that I wasn't pursuing in. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, whether they didn't know because I wasn't doing that or, or because they don't, they will, I, I, I don't, I talked about it very highly about it. I think in Will or Molly or something like that, like, I have no, like, negative feelings, but, like, some people do have family support and that's why they do it. And that was one of the, because I, I, I can point back to, like, a 10 to 20 things that helped encourage me to do the things I'm doing now. My sis, I was playing guitar at my family, my, up in Fredericksburg, and my sister said, you should play for people. Just a comment. Mm-hmm. And to me, that stuck. Yeah. And it turned into this thing, not only, like, I should pursue these hobbies, but it's also, like, I just realized that I've never had, like, that family support. Yeah. Do you feel like you had that support? First um, of all, just, like, just a quick yes or no, if you can sum it up. To an extent. I mean, my, um, like, my, so when I was in, uh, I think it was at the beginning of eighth grade, maybe beginning of seventh grade, visited my cousins out in Chicago and my cousin Eric and Stevie had been playing guitar for like a year and it was just the coolest fucking thing to me and I learned like Iron Man and Smoke on the Water on guitar while I was there and then when me and my cousin Christopher got back to town uh in Northern Virginia um our parents uh bought us these like $50 Rogue acoustic guitars and um I was like obsessed with it for like several months. It was that was like my by far my biggest thing. And my dad was unemployed at the time. He had been unemployed for like almost a year. And then that Christmas, um, he had just gotten a, a good job and so he bought me he dropped like hundreds of dollars to get me uh, an electric guitar, an amp, uh, you know, a guitar stool you know, like some, you know, just a bunch of things to where I could really, really dive into this even more. And that was like something that, um, he, I never had like vocal encouragement from my parents, but that, like having my dad do that for me was like that guitar. I can't play guitar now, um, without pain, but like that is by far the most cherished possession I have is that guitar. What kind of guitar is it? Uh, it's a, it's like a natural wood Mexican 
Fender Stratocaster. Is um, it like, is it an actual Fender? Yeah, it's actual Fender, but it's made in Mexico, so it's like the cheap model. Yeah. It's like those around the time were like four hundred. Where it was like, what? What color was it? Uh, all natural, oh. which is cool because like for those lower models, they don't usually do that. I've only seen it's, one. The lead singer of the Screaming Females has one like that. Oh, cool! Yeah, it's awesome. I think they're sick. Cool. Yeah, and it was like just cool and like I I don't know like that that thing was just like that to me like for the longest time I felt like that guitar was like my best friend. Oh, I totally get it. You know, but uh, I never really had like the vocal. Oh, nice. That that's a sick guitar. Oh, Gretsch, nice. Yeah, I uh, own oh, a box. Nice. Um, I I didn't have the vocal encouragement though, but I didn't need it. Because For me, because you had this. Basically, you had you had the support. Yeah, yeah, I had the push that I I needed. Just just uh, like if I had just I feel like I would have kept playing if I just been playing on the acoustic. But I mean, man, when you're like uh, like eighth grader and you're Walking really in guitar, nice and then setup. you get this, yeah, you get this like new setup. It's just like, oh my gosh, being able to have an amp that had like distortion and being able to like just play these like learn these riffs that i loved and actually be able to play them and have it sound like you know it does in those songs like that was just such a fulfilling uh journey for me but i feel like um i feel like people who get into creative endeavors might sit there and uh yearn for uh like, wish that they had had the creative support of their family, or the creative push. But for every person like that, there's a person who had their parents push them in a direction that they didn't want to go, that made them hate a thing that otherwise could have been very, like, fulfilling to them. So... I think that's why I don't have any, like, ill will towards my family, because, like, my mom was supportive with my life. So, like, if I told her, like, I want to do this, she's like, that's great. Like, I thought about the podcast, like, that's great. Mm-hmm. She mentioned wanting to listen to them, so I'm like, well, I mean... I don't know how I feel about that. But at the same time, I was like, I don't care. Like, listen, like, who cares? But, like, I don't want her to feel like she has to. But, but yeah, she would support me in anything I do, but she didn't push me in a way. And she never really pushed me to do anything. Yeah. Which, to me, is a great thing, but also it's, I wish, I wish, I kind of wish that I'd had a push. But then you're right. What if she pushed me in the wrong direction? Mm-hmm. But she always, she's always there for support, and that's why, like I said, I don't have any kind of problem. And I can definitely resonate with, like, everything you're saying. Yeah. That's great. I actually, that's a whole new setup. I bought for myself to encourage awesome. myself to do stuff like that. I'll is tell that you an AC? T- AC 15. Nice. That's awesome. Those are those are awesome old amps. That, I got it for like a third of the MSRP. On That's awesome. Yeah. Nice. Those are those are cool amps. And then the That's guitar awesome. is my... I went to the guitar store and I was like exploring, like looking at the pedals and stuff because that amp doesn't have distortion. My old shitty which, small... Uh, the, which one of the guitar works on main. Okay. <clears throat> Just because I don't know any other ones. I'm sure you can tell me about them. Yeah. But, like, so I was, I was talking to him about, like, what to get, because I knew I needed to get some pedals, and, like, he's like, get, get what your favorite musicians use. That's true. So I basically got everything, that anything that I've seen the two people who I'm into now, that's uh, the Patrick Stump signature model. Oh, hell yeah. I'm a huge Patrick Stump fan. Do you know who Patrick Stump is? Yeah, Aerosmith? No. <laughs> uh, no. The same scene! Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not into uh, Fall Out Boy, but I respect Patrick Stump. He's a wonderful. He's a. He's I don't a like great all their singer. music, but I like all of his music. Yeah, he's a, he's he's an incredible he's a great, musician. Great voice. Great made on that guitar, and I just knew that I wanted it. I've been wanting it since it came out, and then yeah. I I did some research. It's a cool looking guitar, dude. It's fucking so so gorgeous. It's a little heavier than my SG, but I have a '95 SG special. Nice. Black with pearl. SGs are, are cool too. Oh my god. 
the I weight is interesting on SGs because their like body so, weighs so, less than the neck. So light. Yeah. And having that, my shoulder hurt the first time I used it. I yeah, was right. Like, Whoa. That's that's one of the reasons why I can't play. Because you, but I mean, you can't. But play then it at it's all. like, oh, you can like sit and play, but also then it's like posture is an issue, and just keeping my hand up like this, like my left. Uh, so you can't play arm. at all. I can play just with like discomfort. Like I played the other day for the first time, in probably like two or three months at my parents' place. Um, I played for probably like twenty minutes and just like had pain the rest of the day, a little like throbbing kind of. And it's just shitty because uh, I mean, eventually I'll think I'll be able to get back to it, but it's just like, um, just right now, I, I I'm not able to get back into it. That sucks. Yeah, because I mean, I I didn't when I when I got injured with my back, I didn't have health insurance for like eight months. I just got so health it set into itself the injury. I haven't been to the doctor yet, but I've had, I haven't been in years, so I can totally relate. Yeah. Go see the doctor. I'm, I'm, I'm planning on <laughs> if it. If you have insurance, go see the doctor, definitely. <laughs> I just got yeah. it, so, like, okay. it's, it's going it's to happen. Cool. But, okay, so that's kind of something, because Patrick's come to me since I've been listening. He was the first, the first song I ever listened to that made me want to play it was Dance Dance, the little, little drum beat at the beginning. Dance Dance. Yeah, that okay. song made me, like, I remember playing it on a keyboard on, a, with, on the drum setting, and just like playing just the bass and the snare. Like there's more to it, but like that mm-hmm. fascinated me and I was just into it. And like everything he did to me, like it was so bad I styled my hair like his. Mm-hmm. Probably I probably still do it because he has short hair like this. I just yeah. do this because this is easier and I don't like long hair, but whatever. Like so like he's been an influence to me so much. Mm-hmm. And so it was just like I that's that was that's my next question. That's something I, I'm fascinated with is like who were not necessarily who are your inspirations, but what inspires you? Like, your friend inspired you to do stand-up. Yeah, definitely. What, but, like, are there any others that you could kind of touch on? Uh, for music, my I'd say my biggest inspirations for music over the years. Uh, when I first started you playing... Wear a lot of, like, you wear a lot of band shirts. I know that's more of, like, a metal thing. Are you into, like... Yeah, I mean, I just, like... That's just because I, like, from... They're, like, show shirts, like, tour shirts of... Like bands that I've seen in the past few years, I just Black Dahlia Murder is like a big. Like I have a few Black Dahlia Murder shirts, and they were big for a while. Uh, I just started going to more shows to encourage myself nice. to like go and do things. Yeah, it's that's honestly going to shows is, is like one of my favorite pastimes, um, and that's why improv shows are cool because it's very much you're similar. Going to a show. Yeah, exactly, and you're it's just great seeing stuff in a live atmosphere yep. and being entertained like that. But uh, there's th- there's there's some magic in just small rooms. Like I won't go to like an arena show. Like, a lot of bands yeah. I like are coming around in arenas. I'm just like, nope. Mm-hmm. I'll go to the National. I'll go to Gallery 5. Um, I'll go to a pavilion. That's the biggest. I don't know. I, don't, I uh, There's one. There's the Broadberries other one. I haven't been in a National yet. I'm going for my birthday. I have a, I bought a couple of tickets to some shows. Where are you going? Uh, Tudor Cinema Club. Nice. I've seen them. They're sick. Well, me and my friend. I'm, my friend Tom's driving up from Charlotte to go with me. We have this uh, funny, funny bit about, not not a bit, like an actual story, like, we keep missing them. Yeah. I was in New Orleans, and I was, I was like, I was like, I decided, like, oh, I'm going to just playing at the House of Blues tonight. And I found out that Tudor Cinema Club had just gone on. And I was like, I missed it. And yeah. And I love this band. Yeah. And then he missed the show, and then we both missed the show that we were going to go to. And we collectively missed them, like, three or four times. And that happened like, to me recently. So, so, so the tickets, they announced the show, October 2nd, my birthday's the 4th. Mm-hmm. I bought two tickets immediately. I said, I don't care what you're doing. You're coming up to see the show. Yeah. This is nice. happening. That's awesome. Who was the band you missed? Uh, they're called Circus Revive. I've heard of that name. They are, they're one of the best live bands I've ever seen. Um, 
they're awesome. I can't really can't really explicate too much more without somebody knowing their music, but they're just very intense live, and their singer is like one of the best frontmen I've ever seen. He has so much energy and just hits his notes. Do they have a genre? Uh, that's the thing. It's kind of like hard to like encapsulate them. Like they're one of those bands that's just like Circus Survive is Circus Survive, but I'd say that Circus Survive it's like a more adult version of like aggressive, um, almost kind of emo music. It, you'd have to listen to it though. Um, I, the, the two questions I have that I think. Does their drummer use two pedals? Probably. And do they mostly play in drop D? No. No, it's not like metalcore. But I mean Anthony Green, the lead <laughs> singer, is from <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no, I would I would I used to be into music like that. Um, Nothing wrong with them. But uh that was like when I, I was I, like I, a junior I in I high love school. The sound of that's so that's such a good sound. <laughs> no, like the first like screaming band that i ever listened to is devil wears prada and mm-hmm. so but i like i loathe that that whole sound now <laughs> but uh yeah, circus survive they're actually one of those bands that's uh, an influence on me but it's been bands like I'd, I'd have to pick out like over the course of my whole life the biggest like influences for music were like first band i ever got into was lincoln park then afi um the strokes <clears throat> the mars volta um then the black dahlia murder um, and Animal Collective were another big one. And Tame Impala, I love them. And there's scores of other bands, but those are, like, the big ones that really influenced me. But now that I'm getting into comedy, it's, like, uh, Dave Chappelle, I oh, think, is God. my biggest one. Neil. Yeah. What? That's, that's my impression of an impression <laughs> of Dave Chappelle. In fact, Neil, but Neil! <laughs> Neil! <laughs> um, yeah, his, he's just, he's awesome. Um... He like he was the first stand up comedian that I really had exposure to when I was in like fourth or fifth grade, um, and he's just amazing. And I I I'll be honest though, I hope he gets back to better form because his two especially like they those? came. No, they were fine, but there was like okay, so there's one bit in the second one, um, like he was focusing so much on like current like political issues. There was one little bit in the second special that reminded me of old Dave Chappelle, like prime peak Dave Chappelle, which was, he was talking about diarrhea and how back in the day that was like a medical, like that was a, a, you were going to die if you had diarrhea and how nowadays it it doesn't matter. But it's like, you know, all of a sudden you hear that like in your pants and it's like, (laughs) Ooh, I need to get my affairs in order. Like that to me was like so classic Dave Chappelle. Cause like when I think of Dave Chappelle, it's like the silliest shit. Like when, like, the bit in one of his like uh one of his like killing me softly i think where he's like you know how long it took me to teach this banana uh teach this monkey that uh suck my dick without peeling it like a banana where he goes off of a bit of like talking about aids and how like people talk about how aids like somebody like a doctor fucked a monkey and that's how aids was made and and then like the one of the bits where he was like like, he's waiting out, he he went on, like, a limo drive one night, and the guy went to, like, go meet up with his, like, his boy in, in like, this ghetto area, and how he saw this little, like, baby selling crack on the on the corner. All these little, like, imaginative scenarios where, like, that's Dave Chappelle to me, peak Dave Chappelle. Like, where he's just going on some goofy idea, like, the dude, jer- the hobo jerking off in the, in the, in the bus, which mm-hmm. is, like, in Killing Me Softly. But him talking about, like, his opinions on shit, like... Like, I'm sure he did that back in the day, and I'm just not remembering it as much, but, like, um... There wasn't enough of what you felt what captured his essence. Yeah, there wasn't enough goofiness. Like, that, to me, is universal, like, goofiness, and just, like, 
like one of my bits that I um it's like pretty disgusting but I it's one it was one of the first routines that I wrote and it, I wrote it pretty recently that is I was this, actually like is this the one you wouldn't do it says on um maybe I can't remember because I have a few of them now like I probably have like five or six fleshed out ones that I feel like I could really bring out at like a lab or something at coalition but it's uh one day I was texting somebody like a, uh maybe like two months ago and I was texting them that person and my phone autocorrected to fat prison and so then i started thinking of what a fat guy prison would be like and it just like it's really disgusting when i go into it but that to me is like the best i, I, I picture if comedy a, a, a prison there's a regular prison full of fat people that mm-hmm. encourages fat being fat mm-hmm. like i picture and i don't know why i picture a cell full of like a a giant sack of meats, but like picture like old timey cartoon meats, like a a, a, a <laughs> rope of sausage links and like a, a full ham. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. just like meat just spewing out of a cell, mm-hmm. and just I don't know why that's where my mind went. <laughs> I'll give you a glimpse, I guess. Please, my please my do. um, I've been I've been practicing a while, and like the delivery is everything, so this might not be as good because, like I said, I haven't gone over it in like a few weeks. But um, so it's just like. Uh, Fat man prison. Uh, a prison for fat men. That doesn't sound too bad, now does it? Can't get dilled in the showers if all the soap's been eaten. <laughs> and then it's like a little, like a guy like, Sir, we've tried broccoli and lettuce-flavored soap, but nothing is stopping their consumption. <laughs> and then it's like, when you think about it, they wouldn't even need soap. Because there'd still be butt stuff going on, but it'd be more like consensual ribbing. And have you ever had a walk... With a walk, you don't use soap to clean it. You put some water on it and you pat it dry so it gets a nice patina. It, it seasons itself and you get a nice flavor. And it just goes into this whole idea about how, like, gangs are, like, at Fat Man Prison aren't on racial lines. It's on lines of, like, ingredients and, like, guys have different tasting assholes. <laughs> and how, like, over there, that's El Pollo's, El Pollo's Tacos. It just goes into, like... You know, it's like it's like this whole disgusting like idea of what fat man prison would be like and that to me is like the kind of humor that I I want to be funny with just because I think that stuff is universal cuz you either find disgusting humor funny or not but you're not going to sit there and be offended by it and if you are then you shouldn't be at a a, a comedy show. But if you're going to a comedy show and like there's been some there's been some stuff at uh coalition more so at like the lab kind of events um, where people have made, like, a bunch of jokes about Trump, and I've seen, like, people, like, I've heard people next to me in the crowd just be like, mm-hmm. like, who you can tell are maybe more conservative, and, um, but it's or just... just didn't come out to hear political stuff. Yeah, exactly, it's like, to me, I completely understand, like, I love Pat Oswalt, and he, he does into political stuff, but he does it from both sides, like, he's a great bit in this Netflix special that he has up right now, that's called, uh, Talking for Clapping, and he's talking about how, like, you know, uh, like, it was something about what Bush did and Republicans were kind of like, eh, I guess that's kind of okay. And then Obama, he was talking about how, like, but the same thing happens with liberals. You know, like, Obama came into the office and we were like, oh, he's going to be this great science president. And then you hear that he's killing people with drones out in the Middle East. And then you're like, that's kind of science <laughs> And it's just like, that's the way to do it is like... <coughs> Call, call both sides us, ourselves. Call call your political party on its bullshit. Yeah, and then you can call other people as long as yeah. you're fair and even with it. Yeah, there's so a, there's a way to do jokes. It's just like that, and, and 
Because there's a whole, there's a whole big like debate of like a lot of comedians operate under the guise of like everything's funny, everything's kosher, you can joke about anything, right? Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, and it's understandable. But like, there's a way to do it. There's a lot of ways not yeah. to do it, and that's the best way to do political humor. Mm-hmm. I mean, David Cross is amazing, and he does mm-hmm. a lot of political stuff, mm-hmm. and so like he's one of my favorites. Yeah, but, like yeah, the Pat Oswalt thing, like. That Obama bit was so funny. Yeah, and it's just like I don't know, because there's also like the whole idea that like you can make fun of anything. Like, honestly, man, like uh, that was one thing I didn't like about Dave Chappelle's first stand-up special of the two that he just had last year on Netflix or earlier this year. It's just that he brought up rape a lot in the first one, mm-hmm. and to me, it's like I just like I understand the backlash of PC culture and all of that. And uh, oh, so, uh, social justice warriors and triggers and yada yada, but honestly, like, if there's one thing like that I don't want somebody to think about at a comedy show, it's something as horrendous as rape. Yeah, because you, you have to have a murder a victim is going to, <laughs> if they live through it, then they can maybe laugh about it, and if not, <laughs> then that's a, you know. But a murder victim's most likely gonna die. A murder victim is going to be dead. Well, if you're a murder um, victim, you're dead. Yeah, if you're a murder victim, you're dead. So, you're not going to even be at a comedy but, show, but if you're, like, rape a rape so, victim, yeah, like, rape that's just, so, uh, Rape is such a thing, like, you have to have a per- the perfect rape joke. Like, yeah. Chelsea Peretti has a joke about, like, uh, about having, I don't remember, I can't, I've, I've never seen it, I've only heard re- reference, but, like, she's, like, a base, like, it, like, like, the rape whistle's a, a shitty weapon, you should give us a base. So she's like, please reconsider, please don't do it, like, we're playing the base. <laughs> yeah. I don't know any more than that, but, like. Yeah. Like that's a good that's a good rape joke. Yeah. But like and then like there's like a lot of Dana Tosh. You heard about that? No. Like he was at the Laugh Factory, and what really happened was someone he asked he asked for like a request like what do you want me to talk about? And someone said rape, and before he had a chance to shut him down, a woman said you can't do that, and so he he made a joke about her. Oh. And it got a lot of backlash. And he, his joke was like, wouldn't it be funny? Or she said, like, there's nothing funny about rape. And he's like, wouldn't it be funny if, like, poor guys just, like, raped her right now? Oh, I'm like, God. I see the joke. Yeah. Not not the best. Yeah. Difficult topic. And you're right. Like, stuff that's... Joking... The, the, the idea of, like, you're joking to make light of something and trying to make somebody laugh through the pain or whatever. But rape's mm. such a hard thing because it's such a terrible, terrible thing. Yeah. So, like, I that that's the that's the... I wouldn't say I'm drawing a line, but, like, that's the, that's what I think about when I think about that. It's, like, rape's the, the number one thing that I can think of off the top of my head right now because I'm lucky enough not have to have to have go through terrible things. Like, yeah. Like, depression, so many jokes. Please, make make so many jokes because it might help people. It might be something good. Like, there's... No one's going to be depressed and, like, say, like, oh, I'm offended because I'm depressed when... Mm-hmm. Especially because, like, a lot of comedians are depressed. I feel like I'm digging a hole. Yeah. I'm going to put my shovel down. No, no, I mean, I, I totally, I mean, I think it just gets back to the point of just, like, yeah, that's just one of those topics, like, not everything is funny, and that's why Daniel Tosh would get backlash. And it's not, like, a PC culture kind of thing. It's, like, literally, like, I mean, rape is just such a violating thing. And the mm-hmm. thing is, um, you know, luckily, I don't think that, you know, most people have to deal with that. But it's just, I don't know. That's just one of those topics that's just, like... <coughs> Oh, look, come on, let's make light of rape. It's like, dude, like, that's not something to make light of. And on top of that, I feel like it gets down to a point of just, like, if you're a good comedian, you don't have to... Do that joke. Yeah, like the whole um, Fat Man Prison. When I first wrote that, 
can't uh I, it was originally you can't get raped in the showers if the all the soap's been eaten and i thought about it and i was like like i can i can use a different word and diddled was the word i used and that's more like uh you know it's silly it glosses yeah. over the point and moves on yeah it's not but rape like not only is it just like a heinous act but the word is a very like harsh sounding word like that's why when you were like you you like to be called matthew and it's like yeah because matt sounds a little harsh i really don't care but like um yeah john and versus jonathan john's not as harsh matt yeah john like uh like i call every woman miss that comes through my line i don't call anybody ma'am and one because older women find it flat uh flattering and they like it they like not being called ma'am but also miss to me just sounds very sweet whereas ma'am you know, it just like uh, we, smacks my, on that that when I, when syllable. I say, when I say "ma'am," that's the accent I go to. "Ma'am, ma'am." Yeah, and ma'am. just uh, yeah. So that's Miss. not. I guess that's not really a great topic to get into. But I just think no. not everything is funny, and I think the best uh, comedians are people who uh, understand that and can make fun of it. Uh, can make fun of other things. Whereas Dave Chappelle was like, "Oh yeah, like let me just. I need to. You know." I need to talk about topical shit. Like, Dave Chappelle, to me, handled topical shit in a way that, like, he was able to address, like, uh, white supremacy with his Clayton Bigsby sketch in The Chappelle Show, where he's, like, the black, blind, white supremacist. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever have seen I that. I haven't watched enough Dave Chappelle, but... It's hilarious. Because like I'm sure people who listen have the talk like mm-hmm. I do. Well, um... What is a... You know, it's, like, a really simple idea, but, um... The whole sketch is just a uh, 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 guy who's been blind since a black guy who's been blind since birth, who was raised in like a white supremacist town, like a uh, or a white supremacist family, and was raised to hate black people. Mm-hmm. And um, so he's this black blind white supremacist, and he's like this famous, like the most famous white supremacist author. Uh, but whenever he's at uh, town hall like junctions for autograph signings and like speaking, he's always wearing the Ku Klux Klan outfit so nobody knows he's black and then eventually it comes he, out yeah he takes his thing oh you want to see my face and like the guy's head explodes and all these people are freaking out and it's just like that's how he was able to talk tackle. about that issue yeah and make light of it because that ridiculous. was a perfect way of making light yeah. of white supremacy which is like a like heinous stupid thing but it's just to me i just feel like it's um People think that, like, oh, people can't make fun of, uh, you know, people are PC and you can't make fun of rape now. No, it's like, Rape's you could like... if you were extremely clever. But mm-hmm. to be that clever, I don't think... You would go with rape. You'd go with something else. Yeah, exactly. So um, Anyone who's that clever would be like, there's probably no reason to make this joke. Yeah. I don't know. Like, your joke, I feel like any rape joke would have to be really good. Yeah. The more it talks about rape, like, the, the more it, it rapes involved, the better the joke has to be. Mm-hmm. Like, like yours. Like, yours touched on rape, and you find a better word for it, and you got the point across. And, you know, I'd hate to say it, but it's, you know, male-on-male prison rape, which, unfortunately, as heinous as that is, is, like... A lot more accepted. A bit easier for people to laugh at, mm-hmm. I suppose. Um... Cause that was another. That was another great one. Why I love Dave Chappelle. Like he he uh, he had this little small set that he did at I think Laugh Factory, where he was talking about this like prolific uh, serial rapist in the Oakland area and how like eleven guys had come forward saying that he he had raped them, and he's like, 
So that means that there were thousands of victims. <laughs> and, like, because, you know, any guy who gets raped is just, you know, we're tall. You know, they get up out of there and they're just like, oh, brush it off, man. You know, like, you know, <laughs> let's just walk it off. And, uh, and that's really is how it is. And I think that's a, ta- uh, a topic that eventually will be tackled. But as it stands now, I think it's something that you can make light of. And maybe eventually you won't be able to, but there's so many, like, there's just so many, so many other things to touch on these days. And, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think everything's funny, but, uh, Dave Chappelle was one of those guys who used to be able to dance around, like, funny, like, con- controversial topics, but, like, in a funny way. But, uh... He's clever enough to do shit like that. Yeah. Do you, do you watch a lot of stand-up? I do, um... <clears throat> I'd say that I'm still trying to watch a lot more, mm-hmm. but I've I've listened to and watched I'd say a, a more than the average person. Cool. I'm I'm a big big uh, my the I remember remember LimeWire. Yeah. When I was about fifteen, fourteen or fifteen. Kazaa. I don't know if you remember. <laughs> no, what is that? Kazaa was like LimeWire before LimeWire. Oh no, I got I have that about right before LimeWire died. And I downloaded a bunch of stuff and I ended up somehow I ended up with uh, the first Brian Regan album. Okay. I don't remember which one, but it, oh, a George Carlin album. I need to listen to Carlin. Eddie Murphy's Raw. Nice. And I had those on my iPod, and I would just listen to them on the bus ride home. Nice. And they were so funny. Mm-hmm. Of course they were funny. And then a lot in college, I would listen to this Pandora comedy station, like whenever I would have something, nothing to do, and I would just keep adding artists to it. That's where I came nice. up with a lot of like Patton Oswalt stuff. And then... He's hilarious. He's one of my favorites. He's so good. But, like, and then with, like, this Pete Holmes podcast, like, I'm learning about new people. Like, Chris Thayer is, like, one of my new favorite people. Okay. Not He's, familiar. You are you are. you're not? Not, not familiar. I only know him from Pete Holmes. And I think Pete mm-hmm. Holmes is a, a hilarious comedian. Yeah. He's, see, that's the thing. I'm diving more into stand-up where oh, I've we, been more so notes. looking at the bigger names. Like yeah, uh, bigger names, Louis of C.K., of course. Bill mm-hmm. Burr. Bill, Bill um, Burr. Get yeah. out, dude. Yeah, he's, he's hilarious. He, though, I mean, Bill Burr, like, his, his special that he put out this year is, like, not good. I, I didn't like Louis this year. See, I saw, I, I've only seen the first, like, 25 minutes of Louis C.K.'s one from this year, and it, it was good, but he also hit, like, he made a joke about beheading that was just kind of, like, made me uncomfortable. Yeah. That I was just kind of like, dude, I don't want to think about beheading like ISIS like I get it making light of that shit and you gotta be oh you controversial inter- you have but a very interesting take cause when I watch stand up I'll take whatever they give me but yeah. you you have this take of like I don't wanna know about that yeah and to me that's new I've never I've never well comedy's an escape for me or it's a way to very uh <clears throat> cleverly pull apart a subject okay. that maybe does make you uncomfortable but you know, like Maria Bramford. I don't know if you're familiar with her. Uh, I am. She has she has that one special. Uh, I think this is the one you're probably gonna reference where she's talking in front of a mirror, and then her audience continues to grow. I don't know if I've seen that one, but um, I think you know, you know who I'm talking about, though. The she's blonde, and she has the voices. Yeah, yeah. She she normally talks like this, yes. but then she has a very serious she has voice. A, she's really yeah. Funny. She's Vocal super funny, but she always like she makes jokes about her like bipolar disorder or whatever it is she has and that to me good on you like if there was somebody out there that was like a rape victim that wanted to like Watch analyze comedy. the concept of rape through comedy on their own that to me like i'm sure they would be able to do it like to me like i'm oh, not yeah. gonna sit there and, and make he... jokes about like the struggles of a, a young black male because yeah. i don't know jack shit about that yeah but to me 
the way that I'm going into comedy, it's like it it I like being ADD and being somebody who used to smoke a lot of weed. It's like I have a lot of like just weird thoughts and my mind will go on tangents sometimes about ideas and like that's more so what I think is interesting is when you can speak to your experience. Speak to your experience as well as just like, you know, you're honest with yourself and you um <clears throat> are able to transport people into your honest, genuine thought processes. Which if you're just if you're sitting there just thinking about political stuff all the time, I don't think that's very much uh like a mindset that I wanna share with you. Because mm-hmm. for me, I feel like I feel like politics to an extent is like a very personal journey. And um it's something to stay it's up hard to, to date share on. people. Yeah, exactly. People are just like so pissed off these days about uh and so, it's funny, both sides, like you know, you see uh conservative people calling uh liberals like snowflakes. But it's on both sides. Yeah. So many people are snowflakes these days. There's a person who I know who was a Trump fan, and I wanted them to watch uh, the John Oliver Trump thing he did. Mm -hmm. And he said, is this negative? And I said, this is is before the election was done. And I said, well, it's funny. And he wouldn't watch it. Yeah. Snowflake, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my parents, like, they can't talk about, like, political issues, even, like, I'll try to, like, just start a dialogue with them about something, and they just, like, get really, like, very matter-of-fact. Which way do they lean? They're very conservative. They've always been very conservative. And you're, you're very not? I'm very middle of the road, and for me, it's, like, like, I was, that was one of the things that me and Azure touched on when we first met uh, at Lamplighter, like, politics. I was telling her, I was, like, me, personally, I have some conservative views. Like, I honestly think that gun rights, um, that people ha- should have the right to firearms, and that's, like, just my personal would belief you also, of that. Just because I'm curious, would you also agree that, the, that to, to be able to have that, it should be harder? Yeah, but that's the thing. It's like, I feel like there should be background checks. You shouldn't be able to go to a, a fucking gun walk show out with a gun. and walk out with a gun, and you're, like, some crazy-ass kid yeah. who, like, nobody has... Like, I'd agree, and I'm... If I'm, I have to have a credit score to buy a car... Nobody has to have a background check to buy a gun. That seems wrong, yeah. Yeah, so, but but also on, like, the liberal spectrum, like, I definitely, um, like... I, I, don't, I don't even feel like your gun, like, people feel what they want to feel about guns, that's fine, but, like, I feel like your opinion isn't even, like, leaning conservative. That shit, that, that sounds like... It's middle of the road, I middle, bet. Yeah, 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 like, people have their opinions about guns. I just feel like it's, like, any other hobby, but it's just a very dangerous thing, and he's taken very seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I hear you on that, and I just feel like there is, you know, um, there's more important topics to be dealing with. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like we should be legal, but I also feel like there's more important topics that should be dealt with right now, and, like, I don't know. Politics is just, that's one thing that I I, I don't it's, like getting into so with people. Because yeah, it's, like, it's so honestly, I feel like a lot of times people just, like, um, when they get into a conversation about politics, they'll share opinions that they haven't really thought through yeah. only because they don't want to sit there and look like an idiot who has no political opinions. And if you share an opinion, there's no freedom to, to, to talk about it and yeah. learn and grow. That mm-hmm. was one of the things that was talked about on Bo 3. Bo Burnham did an episode, the three, his third episode of Pete. There's no freedom. I can't come in. They were talking about religion, but like, I can't say like, I think this. And then you say, well, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. I had a, well, relationship the two and a half year one i said something we talked about it i came up to, i came to a new conclusion yeah and it was like i had the, the freedom and space to do that and you don't that doesn't exist that's that, that's out of style yeah yeah and it's a shame and i mean like i feel like more it's just like um it's uh, to an extent always been that way but 
these days it's just um so much is sensationalized the 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 i feel like the whole coverage whether it's media or just public group think coverage of like certain topics and events is so sensationalized in its dialogue that it's very much an us versus them kind of world that we live in when it really we're all just people trying to live our lives and some of us have opinions that maybe aren't as uh, empathic towards other people's experiences as they should be and I'm sure there are things that I think that aren't as empathic towards uh, other people as it should be but um, I feel people will get very people one don't want to seem like an idiot who don't somebody who doesn't have political views and then they get entrenched into thing like ideas and thoughts that they don't really think through and for me I'll be honest like I have so much shit going on in my life that sometimes I don't have the time to sit there and read articles and stay up to date on things and think about my opinion on things yep. and so I don't know I just think I think people um I think with so the social media age, you don't want to seem like that person who has no opinions. Yeah. And so you'll share anything and you will double down on it because you are stating your opinions in the first place and not looking like an idiot. You're definitely not going to sit there and have somebody prove you wrong. takes a lot to say, you know, I don't like follow politics. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Whereas, like, you know, something that's more easy. I mean, even, like... Um, Actually, the transition I was going to make was religion. I feel like... Oh, yeah? Let's go like, into it. I feel like I feel like oh you're excited. I feel like your your kind of view on politics is probably trans translates a lot to religion. Yeah. Yeah, I was raised like really uh religious Southern Baptist. I went to private school from first to third grade. Prior to that all I had known was just Christianity and um and then fourth grade I went to public school, just got like bullied all year long and it completely changed my opinion on like um the world going from like an environment where everybody's extremely supportive and you know that there is there are things under the surface in terms of like uh the relationships between adults and things that you hear your parents say about the deacons and this guy and that guy you know that there's like tension to an extent but it's not the focal point it's not the forefront but going from that kind of positive plaster on a smile and be nice to people environment to going into public school and just having like kids like just ripping on you (laughs) it was like it was it was not fun at the time but um I just I think I think honestly I think that prolonged bullying is terrible but uh I I don't think that the elimination of bullying is definitely like I don't think it's a necessarily healthy thing I think that like sometimes you know sometimes like it's there's things that could be taken away from it Honestly, the whole reason why I'm funny is because I started realizing that if I make people laugh before they laugh at me, they won't laugh at me. Hmm. If I can make a joke before somebody makes a joke about me or my appearances or my demeanor or this or that, and I can get them to focus on what I'm saying about something else, then they won't have time to rip on me. And then if I'm funny and somebody says something to me, I can say something back to them. They'll get everybody to laugh at them instead of me. And that's when, like, fourth, fifth grade was when I started really, like, getting into, like, Dave Chappelle and started to, like, really get into, I feel like, uh, being, like, a funny kid 
but it was like a kind of defense mechanism. That's young. Yeah. But I think that's how it is for um, like a lot of funny people. It's just something that they fell into. Like Robin Williams, like apparently mm-hmm. would be funny just to get help his like mom from not feeling so depressed. That's a terrible, that's a really sad story. Yeah. But religion, I feel like religion is, um... You can cover whatever you want about it. Dude, I just feel like, uh, <laughs> it, it would be so interesting to me to see if the world would still be as fucked up if, if religion wasn't a thing. I'm sure you've seen Pat Oswalt's Sky Cake bit. No, I don't what? think so. You call yourself a fucking... No, I, I honestly, like, I'll admit, like, I... As much as I've been into stand-up and writing it the past year, I haven't seen as much as hard, I feel like I hard, should. It's hard to write. I talked about them all. It's with the, about, I talked about this idea of, like, not wanting to, like, steal. Like, mm-hmm. you've been writing stand-up for a bit, so you kind of are trying to make it your own. And mm-hmm. if you watch, like, Pete Holmes can't watch other people do stand-up because they'll want to take from them. I can't watch Brian Regan because that's he'll just literally do Brian Regan on stage. Yeah. So, like... You're getting to the point where you probably shouldn't be watching it as much because you want to write your own stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think it's also good to just see what works for certain people. <laughs> like when I, you know, two months ago was just, uh, you know, watching Bill Burr and analyzing him. I was writing stuff that was more of that angry mindset. But then I saw Pat Oswalt and I realized like, oh my God, like you can do comedy this way too. And I feel like, um, I don't know. I feel like uh, Pat Oswalt's one of those people that I feel like could like really like he's able to look at religion in a really funny, clever way. Watch his sky cake bit. I'm I need you. to. Yeah, I need to. I need to watch that. But yeah, um, religion to me is just like an interesting topic. Yeah, what would, what would happen to the world if we didn't have religion? Yeah, uh, I feel the, like the world. I feel like I would hope that the world would be a better place, but I really don't think it would be. But at least we could all like take some responsibility for it and not blame some imaginary fuck downstairs or upstairs you know like oh the devil like the guy uh like the oldest brother in the duggars which was that like 18 and counting show that was on tlc it's like this huge family the oldest brother like molested his sisters and other preteen girls when he was a teenager and like throughout his like adolescence and childhood he was molesting his sisters and other girls and uh it was like a huge controversy like ended the show a couple years ago and apparently he went into, like, sexual rehab and all this shit. And now he's out of that, and he doesn't take responsibility for it. He sa- he basically says, like, outside oh forces, like, the devil is what made him do it. Get and it's just, like, I-, I hate that aspect of, like, um, I-, I hate the whole aspect of just, like, the Lord provided for me, the Lord gave me this. It's like, no. Like, maybe the Lord just, like the the lord and the idea of him or her or it gave you the inner let's just say he for the sake of yeah he gave you just the inner sense of like mental fortitude to be able to get through something okay, that so, led you to opportunities so are you leaning more towards there is something or more towards there isn't something i think i think there or, is something are, are you still middle of the road where you're like i don't know and i'll never know no the way that i feel is like we are the something that we think is this this distant this is overarching thing we are part of this thing that we think is amazing like like I, a guy came through my line like a month ago this like uh, older guy and we were just talking randomly and i was like oh you having a good day he's like oh yeah and he like randomly got on the top he was like oh you know i i don't understand people who aren't religious who don't 
who can look at this and don't think that something made this, that God made all this. You have to be an idiot. And I was just like sitting there like, that's just like, to me, I understand the whole thought process of like the Lord made Mm -hmm. the earth and provided us with this. But also it's like, then what the fuck was the reason for it? Like what, like, and that, that whole question has been hammered in the ground for so long, but it's just like, to me, I just feel like God would be a really fucked up individual. And is if, if, if there is a God and he made this world, then, and this universe and everything, then he's not this, this benevolent, or he's not this kind, loving, forgiving creature that people make him out to be. Yeah, there's, or a, lot, out there's to be. a lot of things to challenge about that. And I think that's what it is. I honestly think that, like, I think that, honestly, um, all of existence is part of something bigger. Like, do you really think that if an amoeba had conscious thought that it would know that it is a microscopic creature, like, on some animal's colon right now? You know, like, it, you know, I don't know. I think that sucks, is I'm not educated enough with religion mm-hmm. to, like, really have more opinions than I don't know, I'll never know. Pete Holmes covers it a lot in his show, and he has really good, really good points. And it's just like, my I I think because kind of like you said with like politics, like you don't have time to keep up with it. I don't have time to keep up with religion. I barely have to, I don't have time to keep up with politics either. But like with religion, it's just like, and I, I've had I've had some talks, and, I, and doing this little bit at the end of the show is where I like to kind of like hopefully expand on that idea. But like, I just try to be a good person. And mm-hmm. it's like, not even, not even, and I, I remember I had a conversation with a, a Christian friend of mine, and he said that that was prideful or bad, that that wasn't the way you should do it, you should do it, I don't know if it was like for the glory or something, but just like, assuming that there is a God, let's say that there, that, 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 that extreme is right, mm-hmm. then I'm hoping to do things in a way that would be good for that. Not like I'm going out of my way, like, just in case, I'm going to do this. But just, like, mm-hmm. I think my view, my personal views align with being a good person, being just and kind. And um, I don't think it really expands farther than that. I just try to be a good person. Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to, like, thinking, like, I, I can't really conceptualize it, and it seems far-fetched. I lean more towards there isn't something, and... But also, like, it's really hard to, like, say, oh, this is just a freak accident and where we exist because of the all these ridiculous five million-sided dice rolls all landing on zero. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I think that, that that's kind of the way you could really explain, like, science. And just, it seems far-fetched. Like, we're just far enough away from the... I know we have a lot of leeway, but just, like, if we were, like, where Mercury was, then we wouldn't probably be a thing. And if we were a little farther down the chain, we wouldn't be a thing. And so it's, like, Mm -hmm. a lot of circumstances had to go right. And it's just, like, I can't even begin to, like, fathom that idea. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Yeah. No, I hear you. And it's, yeah, it's definitely interesting to think about. I just, like, I don't know. I think that... The truth of life is so far beyond our comprehension mm-hmm. that you're arrogant. On one point, you're arrogant if you think that you've found the answer. But I was also thinking when you were just talking, it's just like, 
no offense, but like you can be a good person without being religious. You can be have like a good moral code. I believe. I that. honestly kind of think in my heart of hearts that you're a little bit of a piece of shit if you need to sit there and in order to be a good person and in order to have these you have virtues at the end of the finish line. Yeah, you have to have like an incentive. Like yeah. really, you're a better person. And honestly, if 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 God, like, and I think of the Christian. Idea of God, just yes. because that's what I'm not, most not familiar the with. Are bad, just that's the that's, yeah. the that's the most common and extreme version. We're talking about all net extremists who don't do it, what we believe is right. Yeah, well, it's just like if you if you're only being a good person because you think it'll get you into heaven. That's that that, that that's in, shitty. In, in my opinion, that that's the wrong reason to think. I'm a good person because I feel like I'm I'm influencing other people, and I just want to have a positive influence, and I want to do good, and it makes me feel good to be a good person. Yeah. It's like, what, are you going to, like, just treat a good girl good? And, like, going back to, like, one of the first topics we talked about, are you just going to treat a girl well, and you're going to do this and do that, do what you got to do just to fuck her? Like, I, I kind of think that, you're that, a piece that, of that, shit. That's like, kind of like the, the, the that's Christian. I, I, want, I want to take Christianity out of it. The extremist relig- religious person is doing something. If you're only being nice to somebody so you can have sex with them, mm-hmm. that's, like, a only being a good person because you want to get into heaven. Yeah. That's the same thing. Yeah, because there's, like, like, this incentive of, like, are you doing it? Just to be no, you're not doing it to be a good person. There are people who do that, but it's just like this expectation of like. But yeah, but yeah, yeah. So if you set uh, up like I'm a good person, if you tell me like oh I'm a good person, but secretly you do it just because you want to have sex. Mm-hmm. Like I'll meet a well, let's just let's set up a hypothetical. I meet a woman, I do want to have sex with her, but I also want to be nice to her, and I also want to have a good relationship, and I want to have. Yeah. I want to be. I want her to laugh at a joke I say because she thinks it's funny. Yeah. And like I want her to have sex with me because she wants to have sex with me. And mm-hmm. it's like, I will never, I don't want to put any kind of other kind of pressure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, I think that's kind of what you're saying is like, you should do it because it's the right thing to do. It's the way you should live your life. And I think that there's, I don't think any, I don't think there's really any argument against like, be good to people because that's what you should do. Because mm-hmm. if everyone's good to everybody, then everyone's going to have a good time. Yeah. Everybody does that. Mm-hmm. And we'll have a very cohesive unit. Yeah. It's just, Yeah. Religion's just uh, so weird. Yeah, weird and just um, I don't know. If God's forgiving, He's not going to forgive you for not believing in the fucking outlandish <laughs> bullshit that is, is there Christian God? lore. You get up to, like so. Assuming that's correct, you, there's a God. You get up to heaven, and you're like, I have so many questions. And like, he should, what he should say is realistically like, Oh, I expect you to. Let's talk about it. Yeah, you I know? didn't give you enough mental capacity. To, you didn't. I didn't give you anything. Yeah. So yeah, like. I think that either of us die and there's a heaven. We're not going to be like mad or like this is wonderful. Let's 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 teach me. I want to learn all about it. But if mm-hmm. it's nothing, then we're not surprised. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't like. I'd like there to be something afterlife, really but I don't cool. think I don't think that there's an afterlife. I'm, I guess I'd lean if I have to if 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 it's if it's cut dry, black white, yes no. I would say I don't. Nothing happens. Yeah, what I think it is, it's like, and it's like hard to like kind of describe the like really vague thought that I have about it. But like, when you die, your brain releases DMT and you kind of trip, and it's almost like you're dreaming because DMT is what releases when you dream. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's like you might just go into an endless dream that just cycles in and on itself. Your brain shuts down eventually, right? Yeah, but the thing with but you never DMT, know when it shuts down you yeah. Well, DMT, it's like your dreams, I, I'm not going to act like an expert on it, and this is probably like all very inaccurate, but from what I've like heard, it's like your dreams are only like a very short amount of time, like a few seconds or like a few minutes, but living out the dream over the course of a night, it seems like it's like hours long. Yeah, because if you go to sleep, like, up, like I can't, I can't 
I must be for hours, but it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, but uh. And I, I, oftentimes I don't know like what I did before, right before I fell asleep because I was so tired. Mm-hmm. Just kind of slipped into sleep. Yeah, but I, I just think that there's. Like I, I just go with the assumption that like there's nothing after this, and so it's just like this. This to me, for all I know, is heaven, and there's just a lot Bo of people here who are fucking it up. And so yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have my little slice of heaven and be who I'm supposed to be but with also, my free will. We also feel the guilt of like I don't want to impede on anyone else's heaven, right? Do you feel that? I, I lumped you in, and then you. In didn't. what sense? Well, like, like how would you do that? Like, it's my heaven to have nice things, so I'm going to work this shady job where I take money from people who think they're getting something out of it. See, no, I wouldn't do that, like, uh, Azure. That's just an example of impeding on someone else's heaven. Yeah. You and I, I think, are very conscious of, like... Self-aware. I'm going to do everything I do that makes me happy, but if I am going to impede on somebody else's life, like like a rape joke, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I will will withhold that... even if I want to do it, I will not do it because I don't want to offend somebody else. Not offend, but just, like, I don't want to cause someone else any negative reaction. Just yeah. for something that, that isn't even a big deal, but it's a big deal. It's it's way worse for them than the joy that I get out of it. You yeah. tell, I think, and that's kind of, like, ties into what we're talking about. I tell a rape joke, for example, and it gets mild laughs. People will forget about it, but the person who was raped, who that really did not sit well with, the mm-hmm. joke... They'll yeah. think about that for way longer than everyone else laughs yeah. combined. And I'm doing that joke. I'm touring with that joke. And now I'm hitting all these people who just want to go have a good time or getting past it or he- ha- dealing with it healthily. And you bring it up and they weren't really ready and touching on that point. Yeah. I would not I would not tell that joke for fear of ruining someone else's heaven. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. And I, I, I can empathize with that. Just like... Um, but also there's like okay so I'm I'm not going to be the guy who's going to do something to like negatively impact somebody else's life if I can help it like accidents happen of course. Sure. Um like you piss somebody off cutting them off on the road by accident something happens. But um also I mean I feel like that should be the baseline like that's the very middle of the road and that's how humans should be and I hope nor- most normal people are because I'm also not the person out there who's fighting for uh, for uh against against the injustice of mm-hmm. uh you know, disenfranchised groups out there, even though in an idealist sense in my mind, I wish I was, but yeah, there's, I do feel a lot of guilt with that where it's like doing more to help people who need help. Mm-hmm. And I think to a degree, like, yeah, there's a lot of pressure, but there's only so much you could do. And also trying to just, per- trying, trying to in your own life, perpetuate, um, non-hostile environment mm-hmm. for those who are disenfranchised, I think mm-hmm. is good. I yeah. think that, I think that, that's maybe what I justify it as, and I'm sure that there are people who do a lot of work who would say, thank you for doing that. I know this is not something everyone can do, and I'm sure there are people who would say that's not enough and that would guilt you into more, but I'm just, you know, that that to me, that that's a good compromise, I guess. Yeah. I don't know, but that's, to me, the, yeah, it'll never be enough, but I mean, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just, that's just something, I don't know. Um... Because that's the thing, there's, like, somebody out there who, like, they feel, like, they feel guilty when they fuck somebody over on purpose, but they're still going to end up doing it. I feel guilty when I don't do enough, but I'm still, I've come to terms with the fact that I'm going to still probably not do enough, and that's just, like, life to me, and that's just what I got to do to be happy, and I feel like 
people should do what they have to do to make them happy. And I feel like for some, like some people, it's really, they get too entrenched in the thought of this is what I have to do. And for some people, it's like they have a way harder time than other people and they have to, they have to climb a much larger hill just to get this certain thing that I take for granted or somebody else takes for granted. But, um, you know, every, everybody, I think at the end of the day, you, you should, you should push a little bit to go outside your comfort zone to help others. But, um, I don't think at least at certain points in your life, you can't get down on yourself. Like right now I've just got college work. You try uh, to live your life. Yeah. I'm trying to like get to a point where maybe I can, uh, maybe you can maybe get yeah, th- that. That's the thing that I've been thinking about a lot is like my career. Cause I'm working my way up to mm-hmm. have a, I'm working at these jobs that I don't care about. Like I work for basically I work for Walmart. Mm-hmm. I don't feel good about it, but I hope to use that experience and eventually get to a point where I can, with my job, whatever my job is, do something that helps people. Mm-hmm. Like my ex, I talked about this on one of the episodes, she works in the foster care system mm-hmm. and she loves it. And it's really, she doesn't make as much as she could because she's really good at what she does. She could make a lot more, but she takes that job because she likes it and she likes helping and she feels like she's contributing. Mm-hmm. That's what I think kind of what you're kind of, maybe you're kind of talking about. I want to, we, we both want to do that. Yeah, we you want to be, like, that's the idea, I feel like, but, that you'd be but, able to do a job that you can't. But you, you can't others. always do that. Yeah, you can't. Maybe for the first 30 years of each of our lives, we're working to the point where for the next 10, we can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But we don't know, and we're just doing our best. We're humans who are doing our best. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, that's not throughout the totality of your life, but in certain moments, that's all you really can do. And you yeah, shouldn't sweat. It. You should focus on, you know, what you can do at that moment, so... Yeah. Feel good? Yeah. We went, um, probably it's going to come down to like three hours. Two, hey, that's good. That's, that's that'd be the longest one. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. I think I got to pretty much everything. I do, we can't, we have to take a picture because I always keep, forget to take a picture. I have to make okay. people sit right down. I post cool. on the Twitter a picture of me and the guest. Cool. I, d- I haven't had a way to end the show and I just came up with one because I've asked this question before. The way I want to end the show is what is the weirdest thing that you see in my room because I do the shows in my room. You what's the you, weirdest thing I see in your room? What's the weirdest thing? Because I, I have a lot of shit. Um, uh, make this all about you. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I know you're joking, but there are so many times. Where I thought I you were going like to be like, like if you were to die as you go out onto the street right now, what's the last thing you want to be remembered for? If you could just share one thought with the world. If that's but a- no, what's the weirdest <laughs> thing in your room? Okay. <laughs> No, uh, the weirdest thing in your room. Let's see. I'm still looking around. And if, if that is a thought you want to share, please. This is no. You have a chance. No, not yet. I'm gonna find. Something. Also, we'll do plugs. If you have any plugs that you want to plug, I'll plug your social media at the intro. I don't. I don't have any social media. Plug my Snapchat. Um, I, I can plug that if you want. No, that's fine. Gosh, I wouldn't say. I'd say you got a pretty normal room. You think so? Um, yeah. I have a room of like a seven. I would say it's weird that you have those uh, milk carton plastic milk crates. Milk crates. That is illegal, sir. <laughs> that is illegal to have those, as I've learned in uh, my years of retail. Did you, just by reading the crates. No, I'm pretty sure. I'm, I've heard from people that it's, like, illegal to have those milk crates. It says on the crates. It's, like, stealing. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, So I'd uh, say you're a thief. The, I was a pedicabber in New Orleans, and I discovered milk crates while I was pedicabbing, mm-hmm. and I, I would always take them home. And at one point, I had over 200. What the fuck? 
Why? Because <laughs> they're fun. That is amazing storage right there. No, yeah, that's true. That but that's storage. just crazy. Two hundred. Well, I have, twenty would be like, all right, that's that's, that's kind of getting there, that's man. That's about what I have now. Two hundred. I had in my closet. I had a bunch for storage. I had my bed on. Uh, it was on milk crates, so there was like fifteen, and then a second layer of fifteen, and then bed. And I had that at my house and the girl I was seeing's house at the time. So that's that's sixty right there. And then I had a bunch of extra kind of like in the backyard, just like just in case everybody needs something. My dad used a bunch. Wait, so your bed was on milk crates? Yeah, for a good. Did it ever five like years. topple over no, when it's you'd have sturdy. sex? No, okay. it was more sturdy than this is, to be honest. This is like a wooden frame. Huh. Yeah, that does look possibly a little wonky. Huh. It, came, it came with That's the, crazy. It came with the room. I've never really had a bed frame. But yeah, huh. I, I, I was, I'm a pack rat. I like hold on to a lot of shit. So like That's crazy. now that I move here, all of my shits in the attic in my parents' house in Fredericksburg. Mm-hmm. And this is like me. This is my. This is my idea of minimalism. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's crazy. Gosh, two hundred. So you the, went from a petty cab driver to a petty thief. Ah, that's where we're stealing milk crates. Thank you so much for doing the show, man. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no problem, man. I had fun. Uh, no one can see us shake hands. Uh, I'd like to plug uh, just Coalition Theater and Elwood yeah. Thompson's. I plug that. I'll plug Elwood Thompson. They have social media. I'll plug that. Yeah, Elwood yeah. Thompson. I, yeah, honestly can't think of anything else. Yeah. I, I make it a point to plug the Coalition, even though I don't think that it matters or they care. But yeah, no, it doesn't matter. They don't care. But I mean, who's who's to say, you know, like, you know, a year from now, you won't have like 1,500 consistent followers who listen to this that and then cool. people were like oh yeah I'm visiting Richmond how'd you how'd you hear about Coach Theater oh I watched this podcast boom there it is I watched this podcast confirming this, this, this intelligent dreamy <laughs> guy is he here I want to meet him I, I emailed him five times and he didn't hit me back <laughs> did you know him he moved again god <laughs> Disappear, and you wouldn't care why. Now I'm 